Hello and welcome to Go for Bronze, episode 34. On this week's show, we talk about Sony's upcoming PlayStation Plus Essential Games for July, Ubisoft is bringing back an Assassin's Creed classic, and PlayStation and Xbox have a war of words over the rights to Call of Duty. I am Joel Torres, one of your co-hosts, and as always with me is Mark Ace Acevedo. How are you doing, sir? I'm excellent. I got a new office chair or gaming chair for I gave Joe a little peek of it on the video. It says S Racer on the top of it, which when it came in, I oh, thought it was like your like, you last PSN name. I just realized Dude, that. Exactly. I that's didn't even think cool. about that. So I I saw it and I was like, oh man, that's maybe a little cheesy, whatever. But it's like it's like white and black leather, kind of like a bucket seat looking thing. But then yeah, my last uh well my original playstation name i say last like it was recently back in 2006 my original name was street racer 90 which i did catch a lot of shit for i remember playing like need for speed carbon online obviously as a little kid and people being like yeah you're a street racer i'm like yeah i am do you remember what my psn name was before mr rager was it i thought it was misspelled i thought that was reese's boy yeah reese's boy 97 was xbox which is a great uh name but mm. it, it was it was different. My original one, I don't I changed it quickly because in 2011 is when we when was that? No, in ninth and eighth grade is when I changed. It, and that's when we started playing games a lot. We played games like a little bit in sixth and seventh grade. But eighth is when we started like linking up a lot on Black Ops and shit. But mm-hmm. before that, Mr. Rager, it was JT Slater 97. It was supposed to be Slayer. But as we learned this morning or the audience will learn. Mark knows this my whole life. I fucking can't spell shit. Mm. So I just was like, oh, yeah. You know, as a kid, you're like, I'm just making a name. Like, you don't realize it's going to be like carried with you for the rest of your life. And it's going to be like your public facing persona to the world. Mm -hmm. So then I had to switch it up from JT Slater 97 and make it Mr. Rager with eight underscores. Uh, You know the count, which is good. Yes. If you have to tell somebody, I think I'm really glad that we're in an era now where a lot of games allow you to kind of change your name because Ace mm-hmm. is what I would like to go by. I enjoy my current name, Rapture, but Ace is clean and I like that to just Simple. be the case. Yeah, exactly. I do remember, uh, not family friendly, but I do remember trying to make a new PlayStation name and us typing in Cream Pie Central and that uh. not being a publicly <laughs> like it was already taken. That was already taken, yeah. And then also, I don't know if you remember. Well, I don't know. If, did you listen to PlayStation, like the podcast Beyond on IGN Mm-mm, when it never. was like Colin and Greg? So they used to have a segment called, uh, like it was about. It was like uh, the whole segment was like centered around like Shuhei, please let us change our names because that's when mm-hmm. Shuhei had power and he wasn't like ducked away in an office. And it was like terrible PSN names. And the funny thing is, is like a cream pie central would write in and then they were getting banned because their names were being put on like the biggest PlayStation podcast mm. at the time. And their names would be like horrific shit. And then they would end up getting like banning their accounts and stuff like that. So that was funny. I know that I remember before when I was in the process of getting this like other name, I remember trying to do a lot of things with Terminator, like trying to get a T1000 or T800 related name, and all of those were taken too. I remember that pretty vividly. I don't know what. And this this account that I'm talking about, like the main one I have now, I made that in 2013. That was yeah, right you, before Last of Us came out. You held on to Street Racer 90 for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that I had to change it was because back in the day on PlayStation 3, so you could have an adult account or a child account. And when that Street Racer 90 was set up, it was set up as a child account. And I think there was something about like limiting what you could buy on the store. 
And I think I was going to buy Last of Us, like, because at the time, now in 2013, I started to have a little bit of cash. So I was going to get that. And then I wasn't able to. So then I was like, okay, I'll just start fresh and make it another account. Hence, also, anytime we talk about trophies, there being that <laughs> second account out there with 14 platinums on it, that's the Street Racer 90 account. The infamous Street Racer 90 second account. But mm-hmm. what was that? You it was a child account, but was it like was Matt like the primary account? Yes. Over you got over you. Yeah. So when we got the when we got the PS3 in 2006, which I don't know if I've told the story here before. So if I have, you know, I guess I apologize, but I think it's a good story. In 2006, the way that we got our PlayStation 3, I have two older brothers and my dad was really smart to not give it to one of us. He wrapped it under my mom's name. So it's like kind of her turn to open the last gift of the night and she rips the corner of it and we see Sony on it and we kind of all lose our shit because we know what it is. But it's smart because then none of us was like, it's ours. It's just the family PlayStation 3. And then my dad came out with three games for each of us. I got Need for Speed Carbon. My brother Alex got Resistance Fall of Man. And then my brother Matt got Fight Night Round 3. But I think the way it was set up was... solid games too. All solid games, Resistance being my favorite of the three for sure. Mm -hmm. And then... I think Matt was set up as maybe the primary account or like the adult account. And then I was set up as a child account. You didn't know the consequences back then, but damn that, that cause it would have been cool to like, I mean, I guess it wouldn't have been cool. You wanted to change your name anyways, right? I think so. I don't think I would have had a problem keeping the name. Cause even Rapture doesn't really like it. The Rapture is cool because obviously Bioshock is our favorite thing. But also not cool because I'm telling you it's Rapture, but there's some shit in front of it, like PSXX underscore and then Rapture. So the Rapture is clean, but there's still some shit on the front of it just to make it, you know. So you can flip it as being like an OG PlayStation fan because PlayStation 1 was known as PSX for a while before PS1. Well, I remember that was back in the day where back in 2013, my usernames on different accounts were... Like on PlayStation, it was PSXX underscore something. On Xbox, it was XBXX. And like on Nintendo, uh. it was NXX. On PC, it was PC. So it's like, I think it was the same name, but I just swapped out the first two letters depending on what system it was on. Nice. Very fancy. Nice. It could, like, you know, you got to, it's good to have the continuity with the names. That's true, but nobody's going to see that on one console. So I just got shit for having all the X's because that was also <laughs> during the time when everyone on Call of Duty would have like the lowercase X and then the uppercase X. Yeah. And then a name and then perfection. Come on. Yeah. I mean, he's a classic. Yeah, for sure. So that was. And Wolf Yeah. The names that your friends had as kids were just hilarious. The I think, yeah, just being able to change it now in game is I really enjoy that. And I wouldn't change it on PSN because I remember when they started to allow to do that, there was some funny business with trophies. So if there's any messing with trophies, it's an immediate no for me. Or Even I remember if that's it's like, I think it's mainly tied to PS3, early PS4, but I was like, maybe I want to play those games. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't want to risk between what's more important to me, the name that shows up or those trophies, the trophies are way more important. Again, like we obviously love trophies but like to me the best part about them is being able to prove like no this is what i've played this is what i beat this is what i platinumed i don't want any of that to get messed up yeah i can't like imagine i mean i can't imagine because i did grow up without trophies but like it wasn't like i wasn't like cognizant uh, as a gamer until i mean i was even cognizant i didn't realize trophies were a thing honestly until i met you Mm -hmm. like obviously i was always aware of xbox achievements and like popping trophies but i didn't realize like how important they were 
But like looking back on it, it's like, damn, like people back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s playing NES and SNES and Genesis and all this shit could just lie and say they fucking beat anything. Yeah, I mean, that was a curse that was bestowed onto me from my oldest brother, Matt. And then, and then you bestowed it onto me. He he was really strict with it right there. He wouldn't even play a game if he didn't think. Or not, I don't get... want to say didn't think, but yeah, didn't maybe want to go through the process of getting the platinum. So for a long time, he would only play and he would play a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. He's not playing. He existed before the time of jumping sushi, right? So he's playing <laughs> games that are good platinums to have and respectable platinums to have but he wouldn't play certain games because like maybe the platinum was too long or too difficult but i got that from him and then i started doing it and then yeah with you then we just started doing trophies and i think it's just so it has its positives and negatives i mean for me overwhelmingly positive but yeah as a negative i'm always going to be well actually i don't know if it used to be more of a negative i feel like we shifted our mindset because we were trying to adopt the matt mindset of like having good completion percentage because it was not only tied to platinums but it was also like every game i played i'm also like like at bare minimum i feel like matt's like average is probably like 60 to 70 percent of like trophies and like most of the games he played Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree with that and i think a big thing was back in the day to your point i would start games with trophy guides i almost (laughs) never do that now yeah now i'll just do a playthrough no matter what and then i'll do repeat playthroughs that's i feel like that's also maybe a more so just me thing where i don't mind playing a game like a hundred times to get the platinum because i'll just do like one task through for a playthrough instead Mm -hmm. of being like i need a guide and i'm gonna do all these in one playthrough because i find that much less enjoyable so if i have to do like missables and collectibles i might just do the collectibles and then do a whole nother playthrough for missables just because to me it's like less stuff to track and less stressful and i don't want Mm -hmm. playing whatever it is to be stressful i'd rather just enjoy it so i mean last of us 2 is a good example of that where i've been talking about it for years but it's because i just i've been playing it doing like little trophies and each playthrough is pretty long and so i think i just i just passed like 100 hours clocked on the on the playstation timer so you know like before you go into the game that now says over 100 so it could be more than that I don't actually know how accurate it's fairly accurate because you've been playing it for three years now because it came out around this time. And I think I'm on on my fourth playthrough. So by that account, if it's like a 25 hour game, then, yeah, I would say that's that's pretty accurate because I did my standard one. Then I did my collectible run. Then I did my grounded plus run. And then now I'm on I'm playing it on light, but I'm also playing it on permadeath. So what trophies do you have left in that? So the only trophies I have left are to fully upgrade Abby and Ellie and to upgrade all weapons. God damn, you haven't done that in three playthroughs? That's the thing, though, is when you try to do that, you would find out even if you look at trophy lists, it's always multiple playthroughs. Because if you get every single collectible, not collectible, if you get every part and supplement in the game, it's Mm -hmm. not enough to fully upgrade them. You have to do multiple playthroughs. And so it carries over to the next one. Yeah. And even after three, I don't have enough I have I'm pretty sure I have both of them fully upgraded. I just need to like the upgrade I just need to upgrade one of Abby's guns. But mm-hmm. the thing is is of course the whole first half well I don't know I feel <laughs> <the>, like <laughs> There's a large portion of the game, right, where like I can't do that, so that hasn't been. I think everybody knows what happens in Last of Us Part Two. The internet made sure that. Well, okay, so you know, the platinum will pop before I finish this playthrough, but at Mm -hmm. the moment I can't do any more upgrading. And you know that you don't have any more upgrading, I think, because parts and supplements will not spawn. 
Yeah. Which actually I was playing as Ellie yesterday and I found a supplement and it kind of caught me off guard because I was like, I'm fully upgraded. I don't know why that happened, but I sent Joel some clips like even though it's Naughty Dog, I have had some funny business going on in my game. There's a well, I guess I should try to be spoiler free here, but there is a cinematic sequence that glitched on me and something that was supposed to happen didn't happen and it killed me and I'm on a permadeath playthrough so I lost like a bunch of progress so I was pretty pissed about that. It just looked like you ran into an invisible wall. Yeah, because something is supposed to happen there like cinematically that's out of my control and then it didn't like trigger and because it didn't trigger I think the game freaked out and didn't let me move and then just killed me. Damn. You know, it's crazy. So. I have no idea. Like, I remember yeah, I saw the clip and I, I don't know what's supposed to happen there. So it just looked like you stood still and just got fucking domed by a clicker. But so I, I got to replay that game. The game again, is so yeah, good. Can, I, yeah, the game is good. I can be vague. But so you saw. So I'm running up a staircase mm-hmm. and I get grabbed by a runner. What's supposed to happen there is you're always supposed to get grabbed by the runner. You're supposed to get grabbed. And then a character is supposed to come and shoot the runner off Skull of you. Fuck them. And then, yeah, and then you continue <laughs> with the set piece. What okay. happened was I got grabbed, though, and then that character didn't come into play, and then the game just kind of paused, and then I just died. Damn. So that was, yeah, that was pretty frustrating. And then but also you okay. sent me the picture of the the Vita with the hotline Miami, which is just fucking, mm. that's pure, uh, like, um, what's it called, fan service, but like in the best way yeah that's great and i like to have the music playing and everything too in the photo mode it is a really i think one of these days i was thinking about maybe making a youtube video or something going over my thoughts on it over the years because i feel like my perspectives have changed pretty significantly from when i originally played it to now i feel like all great games you ebb and flow with them yeah i think so i think i'm also famous for maybe changing my opinions on things (laughs) But I also think that it can just happen. Like you can have different perspectives. I think specifically if you're replaying or rewatching something, then it makes sense to come at it and maybe have a different light. If you've yeah. only seen or experienced something one time and then your opinion just changes out of nowhere, I think that's a little bit more sus. But mm-hmm. going through it multiple times, I definitely have different perspectives. I think because things are less frustrating or upsetting because I already know about them. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know. I feel like you have very valid Last of Us opinions because you've replayed both the games like a shit ton. Yeah, that's fair. That's and that that's where like the trophies and stuff come in nicely, where if I'm talking to somebody about it and I have a certain opinion and they're like, that's BS. I can be like, I mean, it might not be their opinion, but I I've played it enough to feel like it's a valid you one. The first one, right? Yeah. The, well, the first one I platinumed, I, I platinumed the original PlayStation 3 version, which is fucking hard. Yeah, because that one was that and then the remastered the or that and the multiplayer. The remastered version I did not platinum, but I did play. I -hmm. think overall count the first one I've played front to back probably like 10 or 11 times. Jesus, which is a shorter game. So that makes sense, too. Yeah, which is a shorter game for sure. And then this one is like nearing four. But I did platinum the original just the PS3 one, though. Yeah, the only game I think that I have played that many times in a row has probably been like Bioshock. Not in a row. I think it's row, my bad, my bad. Okay, multiple playthroughs of the same game is probably Bioshock, just because I played it on PS3. I played it on. I actually played Bioshock originally on Xbox. I know, shame on me, but it came out there a year earlier. Yeah, it came yeah. out there a year earlier. And then I played it again on PS3, and then I like tried platinuming it uh, on PS3, but I never did, which I might want to just do again because it's another opportunity to replay it. And then I mm-hmm. played it 
I was doing the same thing where you were doing where you were mentioning earlier, where it's like I wasn't trying to go for the complete run on the remastered because I was like, I'm going to enjoy playing this again. So my first playthrough, I'm like, let me just focus on collectibles. Then second time, let me get all the weapons and then no Vata chambers, especially the shorter games. I feel like it's more fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think if it was. Yeah. And it's if it's a game where tracking and stuff like that isn't the best, then maybe I will try to be more with guides Mm -hmm. and stuff. But Bioshock, yeah, not a very long game, pretty easy to get through. And even with Last of Us, they the things that you have to do always carry into other playthroughs really well. So like collectibles and all that stuff carry through playthroughs. So it's like very. I wonder what's it's very organized in a good way and you don't have to stress about missing stuff. Yeah. Which is nice because then it's like you just keep playing a game and just keep enjoying it. But yeah, I think I think you maybe even doing a duo kind of like video or an extra episode of you playing it because I know a lot of times I'll mention parts of the game and you haven't remembered them, but it's also been five or three years. It's been three years. So which makes sense. I definitely, yeah, I, I definitely got to replay it because I need to refresh my opinions on it. I can't stand on my opinions too much now when you're literally showing me clips and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I, mean, I literally remember like mm-hmm. the boat sequence, not the boat sequence, the like the shopping plaza where you're going like snaking down to get to the boat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I remember everything with like the Whistler people. I don't even know their fucking name anymore. Yeah, Who that's the, what I'm saying. Yeah, Seraphites. Seraphites. Yeah, close. Seraphites. Seraphites, I remember that. Obviously, I think I remember like the main ten pulp parts, like the middle, the mm. the middle part, and then the ending, and then the beginning. But then like, there's a lot else, in between. Everything in between is kind of like, eh. yeah, which, yeah, which makes sense. Which again is is that part of like it would be good to go into a deep dive discussion about it because how important are all those middle parts really even replaying it on multiple times and really enjoying the game it, it's a lot of them feel like a really really cool areas to go and have fun in but maybe not necessary for what's going on yeah i also remember the suburban part of seattle with ellie i just remember mm-hmm. that being like a massive like such a stress i can only imagine playing it on fucking grounded plus or like uh uh, permadeath because that's like consistent like enemies for like 40 minutes and you're just trying to get through i just remember that being stressful on normal so that's true except the nice part is is that they keep combat scenarios very contained so if you mm-hmm. don't want to get into a combat scenario it's very easy to avoid all those situations and okay. in that giant suburban area there's only two areas you actually need to go to oh. the other uh, most of them you can just avoid a lot of them are just extra if you want gear. The thing is in Grounded, it kind of helps you to go to all of them because like ammo and everything is so scarce. Like for most of your it's Grounded... It's like real life. It's like, I feel like that's like, if you yeah. said, you've said this multiple times, like that's the best way to play because it's like, that is what The Last of Us like in real life would be like. Yeah, it's the most intense. You die basically on one shot or two shots. Most, most of the time, one shot, you're dead. You're normally walking around with one to two bullets and like a brick. You're not going to have Molotovs and bombs and all that (laughs) stuff. You're just not. Most of the areas of the game, you have to be creative and use the environment or other creatures or stuff that's going on in the game to get past it or just be Mm -hmm. really stealthy, which is one of the also fun parts, I guess, about playing on like light now is that I have so much ammo and shit that you can be so aggressive. Yeah, but that has also actually gotten me killed because I've been so used to playing stealthy. Mm-hmm. that it's almost like i i'm not ready to be aggressive in it i've definitely had that happen in games where it's like oh i'm playing it on easy like for trophies or something just to like wrap up something and it's like 
Oh, I'm like playing way too aggressive where I'm like actually getting killed on easy because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like, I could just like walk up directly in front of them and start melee. You just think like it's not possible to die. That's how I think about it. Yeah. Or you know what always used to fucking get me? Uncharted always has those stupid trophies where you have to like combo five people in a row. And like every time I always try to do that shit, I always end up getting like a shotgun in the mouth. Yeah, I have to with Uncharted. I think I have the first platinum. I still have to finish the second and third. And I guess Lost Legacy. Like on PS3 or remastered? A PS4. Yeah, yeah, the remastered ones. I never got I the plat- PS3 Platinums for those. On, yeah. I did the first two, and I got the first one again last year, but I'm, I got to do the second one. But um, this is not a Naughty Dog podcast. This is actually just a PlayStation podcast in general. <laughs> yeah, I figured so, just let it breathe. And whatever we're talking about, you know, I was like, I want to go into, into true detail. And that kind of blends into what we're playing. It does bl- blend into what we're playing, Mark. So why don't you tell us about... But that's a little ghost trick. Yeah, so I I've been playing Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, which is a Capcom remastered game from 2010. Kind of out of nowhere. The way I, I, I play my games kind of in order is like I'll do something from PlayStation Stars. If nothing's interesting me from there, I'll look at like what's new. And so that's kind of how I stumbled on this game. I go to the new game section, what's fresh out. This came out on June 30th. And I was pretty I was kind of interested in playing it, but it's $30, so I didn't buy it immediately. So I played the demo, which I love demos that when you finish them, you can transfer your save files. So I played the demo and I really enjoyed it. It is like a point and click kind of puzzle murder mystery kind of adventure game, but it's got a lot of style. I think it's really funny and Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm on the fifth chapter now because I brought my DualSense Edge and my phone you know like normal to i had to go get my honda civic serviced yesterday so i brought it over to the honda dealership and i played it for four hours so they took four (laughs) hours with my car but i also played it for four hours and made pretty heavy progress on it and i think it's really good it's just a game that i didn't know a whole lot about i know that they showed it at the capcom showcase and i I was really excited yeah i i like i like point and click games so Mm -hmm. I like good ones, obviously. I mean, I guess nobody would like bad ones, but I think this one is is pretty fun. And it's not the puzzles are not very difficult because a lot of old, a lot of old maybe like '90s point and click games have really obtuse solutions, and mm-hmm. that can be frustrating. This one doesn't really feel that way. This one's pretty, pretty obvious what you have to do. I feel like, and it doesn't penalize you because if you mess up, there's an easy way to retry stuff. Okay. Do you know the setup of it at all? I know nothing about Ghost Trick. All so I know I, is that the guy was very excited about the about it at the Capcom thing. So I guess to be yeah, to be more right, so like just a really basic what the game is about is you start the game and you're murdered. So you're trying to figure out your own death of like how you oh. got murdered. And so you have these abilities that after you're dead, you can like manipulate items in the environment and you're moving around trying to figure out your death and everything about all these other characters. And if you find a character that has also been killed, you can rewind time by four minutes and then try to like avert their death. And so you only have this one night to figure it out because if morning comes, then like, and it's not if morning comes, like don't think death loop where it's like, you have a say, time is it limit. like death loop. It's not a time limit. It's just the chapters they say are like times, but there's no actual time limit. You can take as long as you want. It's very relaxing. That's the thing. Really good music. The remastered version has a nice arrangement and it is. uh, So that's yeah, that's basically what you're doing is bless you. You're figuring out how you were killed, 
figuring out these other people's deaths at the same time. And it's really good. And when I said arranged, the reason why I kind of blinked there is because I, I forgot to mention I've also been playing Final Fantasy Remastered, the first one. Oh. And that is pretty excellent. I really enjoy it. That's good. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a classic. And I, my experience with Final Fantasies has, has always been like, I've dabbled a little bit in them, but never really like finished one. And so, mm-hmm. of course, when 16 came out, I was like, I'm going to do the opposite of everyone and I'm going to go and play the first one. So I bought the first one and now I think I'm like 10 hours in and I think I'll definitely beat it. And also has an easy platinum, no missables. And I I do want to mention here, just because if somebody knows, you can modify your the rate that you get XP and gill. I'm not doing any of those at the moment. I've been playing it just completely standard the way it was meant to be played. I mean, maybe okay. if I finish the game and I need to do those to finish the like grinding trophies, I have no problem doing that. But I'm not turning off encounters or doing any other of that shit while I'm playing. And I feel like that would be not getting the real experience. Yeah, I think that those um, I think those games, too, are not necessarily hard. I think Final Fantasy starts getting kind of more difficult in like the four, four, five and six era, like the mm-hmm. NES era. I think the first I, I to be honest, I know about the first two. I don't I don't really feel like anybody talks about Final Fantasy three. But I know four, five, and six can get a little more difficult and a lot more agency about what you can do. Because this one, I, from what I've heard, is a little bit more linear. It's not like mm-hmm. an open world. But I would, I would like to just dabble in it, just because you know, love a love a good pixel art game. It is open world per se, but your objectives are you clearly have to do this one, then do that one, then do mm-hmm. this next one. But you do have an open map where you can go to multiple locations. Okay, but. Yeah, but it is good. And then turn base also is something I, I think I'm just kind of getting more into. And I like that. I think maybe when I was younger, I didn't understand the concept of like, oh, I'm under leveled. All I need to do is just grind and then all the numbers will be higher and then I'll win every fight. I think I used to feel like, oh, what am I doing incorrectly in this fight? And why am I losing? I think when I was younger, that's a mentality I had. And now I understand like, oh, that's not how it is. You just go back to like a lower level area, do some fights, level up and then go back and then you whoop everyone's ass. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, what I like about turn-based games is that it's kind of like, it feels like chess. It feels like when you win a battle, it feels more like, Oh, like I outsmarted the, mm. the like enemy, which I understand is what people also like about the from games too. Cause it's like that, like there's more strategic games, which I think that you would eventually, once you unlocked your brain to liking it, I know you would like that because you like difficult games. And like puzzles too, right? Because it's like, yeah. okay, knowing this enemy's weakness, mm-hmm. what are what's effective against them, what are each character's or class's responsibilities and strengths and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I definitely see it now. It's just something I didn't see beforehand. I'm also playing it with the modernized text and the arrangement, which I don't know if that's bad because I feel like I heard people complain about that, but I think it looks good and sounds good. Yeah, I mean, the the score is just like, is it going to be more? So it's like a regular like orchestral like score that would be in a modern AAA game. Yeah, and I think it sounds great. Like, per- I think it would make sense if maybe you had ties to the original that you're like, mm-hmm. no, no, I want to play it the way it originally was. But I switched it for a little bit to put it on original soundtrack and regular pixel text. And I was like, OK, now I just feel like I'm playing an old game. This isn't that fun. Yeah, because obviously, like the orchestral arrangement sounds a million times better than the pixel, the pixel music. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that that's 
you're playing the game. It doesn't really. I don't think that it's like not like you're changing the core experience. Like if you were doing like the Gil shit and like the mm-hmm. like the, that mod, I feel like that's more important. Obviously, however you enjoy it, it's just however you enjoy it. Yeah, Fuck that's the haters. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. But I I agree with what you're saying. If you're modifying the core mechanics, then yeah, that's going to be different. But if it's a it's a remaster, so they're updating those things for a reason. Yeah, and I love the art style of like the I guess box art for like the mm-hmm. like the app art. It just looks so cool. And I love that Final Fantasies all have the same like kind of like those two clashing things are mm-hmm. is like the centerpiece of like all of their like box art and stuff like that, you know? Final Fantasy is something I'm coming to love in my older age. I didn't really care about it until maybe the PS4 generation with Final Fantasy VII Remake and then now getting into Final Fantasy 16 and all that good stuff. And then hopefully I'm going to replay the remasters. Mm-hmm. And then also it's I think it's a, about there being, even though they're separate stories, again, being younger, I'm like, okay, they're on the 10th one. I'm <laughs> not going to catch up now, especially when for pretty much i would say every generation until this generation you didn't really have access to like complete collections of games on one console so it was like okay i would have to play a couple of them on this system then move over to this system then move over to this system so it's such a hassle and now it's really nice and convenient that we can just with a lot of collections be like okay well i have everything in one place let me just go through them and having different access points I feel like both Final Fantasy and Yakuza are good examples of that, where like they both have a, a really large number of games and you can play them in order or you mm-hmm. can kind of probably hop into different ones and it doesn't really matter too much. That's true. Definitely more with Final Fantasy. But yeah, I feel like the same way with Yakuza where they each like it, it, it like, you know, informs you and makes you connected more emotionally with characters. But like each of them does tell like their own little story. Yeah, I see. Yeah, the big difference is going to be that Yakuza you're following. Well, now, but now there's different protagonists, so that's true. I guess now that's with the, a switching like a dragon point. shit. Yeah. But um, so speaking of easy platinums with Final Fantasy, I played Light in the Darkness, which is a game um, about the Holocaust, and you're playing as the perspective of well, you play as multiple perspectives, but it centers around this family in um French in France about the invasion of Nazi Germany into France, and just kind of like a I feel like it tells a different perspective of World War II, the Holocaust. You play as a Jewish family and you kind of see like the trials and tribulations they go through and, you know, their inevitable end. But um, it's a it's not a it's not a very intense game in terms of like mechanics or anything like that, but it is very sad. And it's like when you beat it, it's like I didn't cry, but it's like I wanted to cry. I'm just emotionally broken and I can't cry, but like I feel like nine out of ten times of people that beat the game will like start sobbing. Sir, my my shit eating like grin over here <laughs> is because you're talking about, and I know that it's it's going to be emotionally heartfelt, but you were talking about a different perspective of the Holocaust, and the first thing I thought of was like Wolfenstein too. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's no BJ Blazowicz in this. This is real life, so yeah, but it, I. I for me, also being like somebody who's really in the history, I learned I feel like I actually learned something which you, you learn stuff from video games every once in a while. But like learned about like a side of World War Two, which I felt like it was a subject that I was kind of like well versed on. It was my like entry point into becoming like a history nerd and just learning about Vichy France and kind of like, you know, how France like sided with the Nazis. And there's a lot of anti-Semitism outside of Germany throughout all of Europe and just kind of. 
just very just very interesting i would recommend anybody play it it's like probably like an hour an hour and 20 easy plat you just beat the game and you get a platinum but um very uh i think an important game kind of like it shows like what they what games can be and like how they can be more than just like you know just mindless entertainment but sometimes like showing an experience throughout history in a different way which i know some people like the assassin's creed games for that because like you get to go in different times but this is more like grounded obviously because you're not fucking an assassin what's the perspective like how do you play the game it's like very much like a it's like persona but just the walking around parts okay so it's like it's third person third person and you're just controlling a person around like a a thing you just basically going like up and down a block it like it like cuts off into sections and it's like you go experience this section and like you click and see what people are saying Mm -hmm. and then and then that's kind of it it's like very simple gameplay mechanics there are a few things where it's like you have these mini games where you're like building stuff and then like there's like this like tetris kind of mini game in there too but cool it's pretty bare bones but I, i mean it's definitely worth playing yeah, I mean, and it's free, and you said it was good, and it's a platinum. What number is that for you? Ooh, let me see. Honestly, I was kind of shocked because I thought I had more platinum. I thought I was in the 80s already, but I was not in the 80s. I am. Where am I at? I think it was like 70. I know that you're probably in the 70s because I'm. 73. Yeah, I'm at, I think, 90 at the moment, but 76 on this account. 76 on that account okay yeah so that was 73 for me um damn now that sucks because now i gotta fucking get another one i hate having odd by the way audience i hate having odd number platinum that's probably the most like infuriating thing for me if i'm on an even number i'll sit on that shit forever Mm. or fives so if it's like if i was like if it's like even numbers or if it's like 75 i'm fine with that but then once it's like 77 79 it just gives me agita does not make me feel good interesting i i don't I've never looked at mine and had that thought, but I understand that with most other things of like AC temperature is volume, volume in the so, car. Yeah. I hate volume in the volume car. on the car. Volume in the car cannot be odd. It has to be even for sure. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of my OCD working there. So now I got to fucking go buy fucking my name is Mayo Two to even that out. Now you can just spot <laughs> them like another game. I also actually did download the Game of Thrones uh, Telltale game because I just beat that and I was like, oh fuck, I forgot I have like this game and like now that i actually know the world i might try i might play that with pam mm-hmm. just have a you little. just saying playing with pam have have you played a game where you're like swapping controllers no i've not played a game where we're swapping controllers i think the only game we played was um what's the cooking game overcooked and yeah. we and it almost destroyed our relationship so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> overcooked for us was really fun and then you came over and then me and you continued it and i heard about that but it's a fun <laughs> game it's a fun game and then sometimes you know i feel it's like i'm not gonna say that we're perfect we're broken we're broken with games where it's like we need to be per- perfection and we need to get three stars mm-hmm. and sometimes people just don't understand <laughs> the quality of getting three stars it's like not about just moving forward you need to make sure you're excelling in all aspects see but i'm not like that i see now because my playthrough thing i'll do all <laughs> i don't care if i get one star on the first time through i'll get three time like three stars on the next one like the oh, next no. time i do it i don't care okay. about no i'll move through levels without i don't care about getting full completion first time through well, Pam, Pam will let you know. Ask her about overcooking. She'll let you know that I, I can't move past with three stars because it's mm-hmm. also just so achievable. All right. Like you just got to fucking focus and just, you know, got to take direction. 
What if it's so achievable that it would have been happening? <laughs> it's achievable if there was two of me, all right? Yeah, and then we we did play It Takes Two, and we did finish that. That's a great game. You should yeah. either play that with her, or you should play that with me, and we should get the platinum. You don't have the platinum? No, it's not just like you finish the game. It's sim- Remember, it's similar to A Way Out, where you do have to do some side stuff. It's not difficult, but I wasn't going to be like, hey, babe, we need this trophy. Let's go do this <laughs> mini game, you know, for like however long. Uh, but yeah, no, I want to play that because possibly with her, possibly with you. But then um, in terms of other games we played together, we don't really. I mean, we like do we do like parallel play where she's playing her own thing. I bought her Cult of the Lamb. That's her new uh, thing on Switch. Mm-hmm. She she likes playing a lot of like the indie or the indie games. Like she's she beat Spirit Fair. She played that for like 20 hours this year. Obviously, Animal Crossing, a main mm-hmm. staple for her. And then, you know, we're try- I'm trying to venture her off into playing like, you know, more like uh, kind of, for lack of a better term, like sophisticated games, because I would love to just walk in one day when she's just like playing Persona 4. <laughs> yeah, I I with Liz, she just has to finish up Hogwarts and then she's interested in playing other games. When I was playing Mortal Kombat 1, though, she was really, really interested in it because she just likes Mortal Kombat. But she was wondering how we're going to buy those games, because if I purchase it, you know, she can't play it yeah so we might have to figure that out later down the line but she i know she wants to play that mm. yeah you know off the air you know off the record because you know <laughs> sony doesn't know what we're talking about that's but. off the record but yeah I, I get you i was trying to figure that out too with pam where it's like i was like do i want to get her into playstation because i don't want to deal with that issue but also i feel like she doesn't play games enough where it's like i can just buy her game one off that's like the thing. i do with like switch games that's the thing too with like mortal kombat 11 i was like well if you really want to play it i can just buy you a copy of it and then it was on plus so it didn't matter Mm -hmm. so so that's the good thing about the plus thing though because it fills in the gaps it does yeah so speaking i mean speaking about plus right we have our july 2023 playstation plus essential games and so this month's games were leaked by bibble coon who has leaked them almost every month since like 2021 Pretty much always gives us the scoop on them. I would say a month, maybe even it's Jim uh, Ryan's burner account. Yeah, so he <laughs> we get the scoop on it about two weeks before they're announced every time. And so this month you're going to get access to Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, uh, Alan Wake Remastered, and the other one I'm trying to pull up right now. I forgot what the other one was. I did see those two being the main. Uh, you the know, other one main is ones. Endling Extinction is forever so (laughs) those three are all going to be available on playstation 5 and playstation 4 they'll be available starting on july 4th this month you can pick them up again if you're subscribed to the main essential tier of playstation plus these games i mean i think this is a good offering right if you haven't played alan wake remastered definitely scoop that up before and try to play it before october when alan wake 2 comes out i think for us this is a kind of a lackluster month in the sense of of course we've played black ops cold war we've played alan wake remastered and then endling i don't know what it is maybe i'll check it out but in terms of just these i would say black ops cold war probably your utility in getting this now is maybe just enjoying a game once all of the content has been added to it especially if you like zombies or Mm -hmm. because it was free Right, th- those updates were free. I'm saying so. Any of those maps or the outbreak mode, you're getting all that for free if you're just getting it now. So that's probably good. And then Alan Wake Remastered is just a good game to get. I bought that yeah, when it first came out. That makes sense, especially with the with the upcoming um, 
sequel. I I was confused with. I mean, I guess it doesn't make it makes sense too because it's essential is like the bare bones tier, so everybody has it. But I was like, I'm surprised I wasn't on the the extra for like you know a few months leading up to it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't. I think it's good that they they add some. They always have to add. I feel like one or two good games to the the essential, essential tier, and I think it's difficult to follow up 2K23 last month, which was awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, technically, the Call of Duty is also that's a big name, too. So it's just it's, not current uh, year. It's not current year at all. It's because it's not even like a year old. That's the thing where it's like 2K23 was current year, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then this one being a couple years older, that's was like, you can maybe enjoy this for single player zombies, but you're you more more than likely have already played this. So it's cool yes. that they're giving it out. But mm hmm. And this was also probably one of the worst ones in recent years, too. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't think it was worse than last year's. Then Modern Warfare 2? No, no, no. Then um, we're forgetting Vanguard. Vanguard? I don't. I didn't play Vanguard, so I can't really vouch for it. That probably means it's awful. None of us had any interest in it. That's. I mean, yeah, that is true, but I don't know. Black, o- Black Ops... I was very disappointed with the zombies and I left a very sour taste in my mouth. So that's why I kind of just have bitterness towards that. And I remember you and Joe saying this fucking single player is like asinine. I will say over time, I don't know how I feel about it, even compared to Vanguard or MW2. MW2 has uh, left a very disappointing, very shitty. Yeah, like in my head compared to how excited I was for it Mm -hmm. and Black Ops Cold War, while it obviously did have its problems, there were some positives. Like even thinking about launch week, I remember for that and for anyone who's going to get into it that I remember the marketing being pretty cool. I remember the campaign. The campaign was fine. It wasn't good, but it was fine. And then the zombies were fun. I thought the original map that they came out with was pretty excellent. And then was that the Notch Door Toten like remake thing? Yeah. And I yeah, thought that was cool. I thought that was really good. And then I thought the Easter egg was fun. The way that they have it where it's a little bit more standardized, like they show you what you need to do. And then if you want to do the larger version of it, then you have to do extra steps. I thought that was a smart and fun addition. Multiplayer was cool. And even Warzone, like, was, you know, I mean, they just changed the map Caldera. a little bit. No, no, no. Caldera, right? Vanguard. Cold War is when they just made um, Verdansk, like, old and 80s. Oh, damn. but they See, were still I, I, they were still updating for dance. Can, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's easy to think be like, oh, no, 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 like that shit sucked. But I think Vanguard was really bad for all things. Warzone, zombies, campaign, multiplayer, mm-hmm. everything. I think Cold War was just the start of the decline. Like, I think Modern Warfare 2019 was like peak. And then Cold War was worse than that. So we viewed it in a negative light. But now looking back at it, Vanguard is much worse <laughs> And Modern Warfare 2, while better than Vanguard, I don't know if I would say it's better than Cold War because it's just like it came out with a strong launch of a good campaign and fun multiplayer. But then over the course of the last like seven to eight months, it doesn't really feel like it's earned its place anywhere. Definitely a lot of poor choices in the management of like the live service act like options. Yeah. The fact that we need three people to do the raid is infuriating. It is. It's something that I've never played once. I mean, we have the tickets to do it, like to get into it. And if you're wondering, the raids are you have to earn tickets either through like a top placement in Warzone or by doing something in DMZ to be able to do it. But you also need a full party of three and there's no matchmaking. So naturally, we've just never done it. Yeah. So 
That and yeah, and then oh, dude, remember we tried playing those uh like those side missions? Yeah, the spec ops. That shit was horrendous. Yeah, and then even like the multiplayer maps and stuff like that are normally just pieces of ground war maps, and those ground war maps are just pieces of the war zone maps. So it's like they really not as inspired definitely not inspired yeah exactly and a lot of it's just bringing back older stuff so that's pretty much it for call of duty i mean for black ops cold war there is some fun to be had definitely you can enjoy the zombies mode and play the single player if you haven't already alan wake definitely would recommend and then endling i don't know much about so i can't say but i guess worth a shot right i mean just make sure you add important thing is make sure it's not free you're paying for that (laughs) it's all free nothing's free. free Just make sure that you're going ahead and adding these to your library, because remember, if it's a PlayStation Plus game, once you add it to your library, as long as you're a subscriber, it will remain in your library, so you can re-download it at any point in time, so there's no reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. And then another thing coming out is I saw Scorn, which was an Xbox exclusive, is going to be coming to PlayStation 5 later this year. I was looking at the Metacritic for this. This wasn't super highly received when it came to Xbox. It's kind of sitting at like a right around like a high 60s, low 70s on Metacritic. This was the kind of alien looking environment, kind of HR Geiger inspired artwork horror game. It is in the perspective of like first person, but it's not a shooter. It's mostly like a puzzle kind of horror game. Mm-hmm. But I just have interest in it because I think the atmosphere looks really cool and I like horror games. So it was fun to see that this will be making its way over to PlayStation. And in the announcement kind of that it will be coming to PlayStation, they made sure to mention that they're going to be using the DualSense kind of haptic feedback features to their full extent. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things in the game, like the puzzles and stuff stuff like that, is very... I'm trying to think what's the right, right word for it, like biomechanical kind of. You use your hands for a lot of Tactical. puzzles and you're getting like stabbed and stuff like that. And they're saying that they're going to make they're it gonna stab you in real life yeah they're like they're gonna make sure that it's felt in the controller all those things that are happening so i just think this is a positive thing right like while it might be a game that isn't reviewed the best that kind of high 60s low 70s to me i think we've talked about before is the sweet spot of like i can just form my own opinion on it mm-hmm. and now it's already came out so it, it's kind of the expectations aren't as high for it and it's just cool to have something else also coming to playstation this seems like it would also be cool if they could do like a VR mode. Yeah, especially that would with, be like cool. you're saying, like everything is like you know, like it's just it's simple puzzles and you got to just move around. So that would be cool if they did that. I'm pretty sure they're not going to do that, but you know, it's a smaller team, so that would probably cost a lot of money on the back end for them. But you know, it's fun fun to get more games coming to us. I know this was it launched on Game Pass like a little under a year ago, but um, I just I also remember people saying that the the puzzles were very obtuse yeah that is what i heard as well i heard it was a lot of (laughs) i heard it was kind of because the while the environment was very beautiful it looks a little bit samey so it's difficult to know where to go and so i the thing i ended up hearing a lot was people kind of walking around not knowing where to go but also something that's just kind of commonplace for games coming out now is some technical kind of errors with it and so hopefully those are all fixed by the time it comes to us because while you're also wandering around not knowing what to do if the game breaks then you're not gonna oh i remember you know it's a huge thing too this just came into my mind watching reviews not now but from when it first came out it came out in october of last year was the save system something about the save system would be if you died it would reset your progress like pretty far back and i remember that being very frustrating to people (laughs) 
Yikes. Um, and Imagine so that. There's not a release date at the moment, but it is worth noting that it did come out October 14th, 2022, and it has a it probably has a one year exclusivity deal. So my assumption is going to be that it's probably going to come out in fall, but after that, you know, October 14th, but they probably aren't going to announce it either. Maybe until that. So, Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think October is a good month for them to be released. And there's a lot of heavy hitters coming out in October. (laughs) I feel like the stakes are lower once you've already released. Yeah, that's true. Like, since it's just kind of a port over, I don't know what kind of sales they're expecting anyway. And we don't know mm-hmm. what it, I mean, it could come out on extra. That wouldn't be that surprising. That wouldn't be that surprising. I wonder how Microsoft, our Xbox would feel about that. Like, just hopping from service to service, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, because I, it's I wonder not... if PlayStation would pay for it just because how poorly received it was. Well, it might be cheap because of that. Mm, because that's right. my thing too where i think even though it's coming out i have interest in it i have interest in it specifically because i'm a slut for horror and like sci-fi stuff so yeah. i'm really interested in it but i also am would be going into it knowing that it's not reviewed the best not expecting mm-hmm. the best game so i would imagine they're bringing it over with dual sense features which is great but they can't be expecting a lot of sales because even Definitely when i mentioned not. it to you and you're fully tapped in you're like what is that so they can't be expecting that many sales. This is not going to be competing against like the other big hitters this fall. It's just going to be like a, if you missed it and it was something you always wanted to play, now you have access to it, which is ultimately a positive. Yeah. So there, there's that. That'll be nice when that comes out. Uh, and then moving on, something else that I saw that we're probably going to need more information about coming up in the future, but you saw that I kind of wrote this out. Ubisoft reportedly remaking Assassin's Creed Floor. Uh, black flag this is coming out of the singapore studio that is making i think it's the singapore studio but the studio that's making yeah. skull and bones skull and bones so I, I guess this is something that's rumored to be happening since they've been working on of course the naval combat and the ocean technology they're probably thinking efficiently like well it would make sense you already have those things in place you should also remake assassin's creed 4 of course that is not officially recognized by ubisoft yet and would naturally come after skull and bones came out but i know they're kind of on a tight schedule too with skull and bones because we know that that's been getting delayed over the years and it's supposed to have a beta in august and from what i was reading the company is providing them like breakfast and dinner to be like hey you guys like have to like we have to have something out in August. You're living at the studio for six months. We'll provide you breakfast and dinner. Yeah, essentially. So, I mean, those things do, you know, those things help. My company doesn't provide me breakfast, but they provide me dinner and it does help me work more. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, we're not shipping fucking skull and bones because that shit hasn't even been shipped. And I, I, I read this and I thought that Assass- you're doing good work, actually. Ass- yeah, that's, yeah I, I would hope so. I, I, Assassin's Creed 4 is my favorite of the franchise i actually was cool with this in the sense of i never really finished even though i played a shit ton of it i never finished it and i was like yeah i mean i i'll take an updated version is it necessary i think is an entirely different conversation what do you think uh initially when i was talking about it i was like that seems kind of dumb but then i forgot that singapore studios behind this and it's not like you know every game is an opportunity cost and this studio hasn't made anything of any noteworth. So it's not really you're not losing anything because Skull and Bones seems to be. I don't I honestly don't even know if that's going to be like going to come out at this point. I can honestly see Ubisoft being like, hey, 
you wasted so much money on fucking skull and bones. We need you to make a product we know is going to sell. So just transition all that, like you said, naval combat and ocean mechanics, and we're going to just shift it into this Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag uh, Black Flag remake. And then um, from there, you know, just kind of recoup your cost because I mean, Skull and Bones is not going to sell. Yeah, and I wonder when you have something in production for this long, like of course they're not going to come out and say it, but like what what is the progress level? What where is it at? Is it fully playable? Are they in the polishing stage? It's not a from what I understand, it's not a story game. So if you're not kind of if you're not going to be on a linear a uh, linear path, what what has been completed or what is left to go? Because yeah, I have no idea. They can be delaying it, but I don't know how much is left to do. Yeah, and I, yeah, so I like I said, I think it's just like uh, Ubisoft is like, hey, we need you to make a product that's going to make money. And AC4 is definitely going to make money. People love this game. This is, like you said, it's a fan mm-hmm. favorite throughout most of the Ubisoft. Outside of the like new open world, like um, Assassin's Creed, like Odyssey, Valhalla, and um, Origins. This is kind of like the, from the traditional Assassin's Creed point of view, this is like a fan favorite. And I was, even out of those newer ones, I feel like Odyssey is the one I always hear about on the top, and the other two I kind of hear very mixed things. Even though I enjoy all of them, Odyssey I think is Odyssey is definitely the best, just because, especially if you play as Cassandra, the girl character. I think she's just very charismatic and well voice acted. And then the the ancient Greece stuff is just also cool. The way they tied in like the mythos of like their like gods and stuff like that into the Assassin's Creed universe, I think is very cool. And then Valhalla is. Valhalla just it, I feel like Valhalla just didn't, didn't hit the same because of God of War. It's like if That's I want to play like a cool Norse game, then I'd rather just play God of War. Yeah, I agree. It is similar with Valhalla too, though, where Eivor as a girl, I think the voice is much better. Yeah, the the female characters in like the most in like the most recent Assassin's Creed games, I have think they're just better actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that. Like you were saying about opportunity cost, it we're not, we wouldn't be missing out on another studio making this, but you kind of sparked something that I originally didn't have in the show notes, but I feel like it's worth bringing up is Bloober Team, the studio behind oh yeah yeah behind <laughs> Layers of Fear, and they're also be they're behind Layers of Fear and the Medium, but they're also behind the Silent Hill Two remake that's coming out, and they kind of went on record saying that. I guess kind of following the release of Layers of Fear that they're going to be kind of wrapping up their work on psychological horror games and are going to move to something a little bit more mass market is like what they quoted. I'm bringing that up in in terms of opportunity cost because naturally that's them thinking like we're missing out on this mass market because we're making psychological horror games, which it is known that horror games normally do not sell as much, which I think makes sense when you think about some people don't like to be scared when they play games. A lot of people just watch those games instead of playing them because they're too scary or maybe they're too gory or they have subject matter that some people aren't really comfortable with. My thing is this comes off to me more. Well, number one, it sends a red flag in the air like, hey, maybe we don't say that before Silent Hill 2 comes out. Because you're already showing a lack of confidence in your own capabilities to make a horror title. So that's scary. And then the other thing I would just say is like, yes, I understand maybe wanting to do something a little bit mass market, a little bit more mass market. But A, I don't know if you have to publicly acknowledge that. And number two, your games would sell better if you took the time to just make a better game. While horror games sell less, it's not like they all sell less. I mean, we have two heavy hitters in Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 already this year. 
And although Bluebird team might not see it as being potential, if they really can, you know, get it in in crack up shape and do the things they need to do, Silent Hill 2 would be a massive seller. It is one of those games that could be a massive seller because a lot of people have interest in it and haven't played it. And if it reviews well, people would be all over that. So it just it makes me feel like they're probably not even that confident in that product. And that kind of scares me, but also sucks because I really like the original Silent Hill 2. Even now, just like it needs that remake love. It just needs a little TLC. But yeah, when you sent me that this week, I was just like, God damn it. You know, I just I wanted this game to be good because it's a game I haven't played. So it would be a brand new game for me, essentially. And I wanted to experience it as like, you know, obviously the remakes change something from the original games but like i think dead space and i think resident evil 4 are good at keeping like the soul and the essence of what the games truly are and modernizing it like even resident evil 2 and stuff like that so like a good remake is different but it's still like you know has the soul of the original game and this if you're gonna make it mass market i feel like that's taking the soul out of this game it's supposed to be niche it's supposed to be dark so i hope that doesn't mean they're changing subject matter they're saying mass market after silent hill 2 Oh, after Silent Hill 2? Yeah, so they're saying oh. they're not saying Silent Hill 2 is going to be shifted to be mass market. What they're saying is that after Silent Hill 2, instead of being known as the horror studio, they're going to shift to like a different genre. Oh. Which well. is still... So I don't think maybe not as bad as... Uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. think it would be worse if they were saying they're going to make Silent Hill 2 mass market, but it's still it still comes off to me as a lack of confidence in their like horror capabilities. Yeah, you know, Bluebird team, I don't know, Bluebird team is a weird studio that's just been elevated by mediocrity. You know? I th- I agree. I think that I think that it's important to know the history of the teams that we're working with, especially when we take in marketing because marketing tries to be deceptive and being like trying mm-hmm. to promise you something that might not be the case. The reason why I bring this up too is Konami of course making a comeback with these different titles with having a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake and having a Silent Hill 2 remake. All of those are great, but it's really important to know that like the people that are remaking these games are not the original people that made them and not even maybe a team that is at that same level. Right. When we think about like Resident Evil remakes, it's different because those are Capcom in-house studios that know exactly what the fuck they're doing. And even mm-hmm. Dead Space is a different example because you have a studio that while they might not have originally worked on the game, they had chops and they made they made that Star Wars Squadron game. So, you know, they have a certain level of quality that they can bring and they're a good choice for it. And I think also with the with Capcom and EA, they are still making games consistently. Mm-hmm. Konami has taken their like taken a, you know, their foot off the gas with the amount of releases. They got mainly... out the fucking car. Eh? It's their, yeah, they got, got out, out the of here. Car, right? They haven't really, I mean, they've been releasing the Castlevania remakes, which I mean, not to shit on Castlevania, but I feel like that's a pretty standard kind of transition. It's a simpler, like, 2D game. It's like, you can't really fuck it up. And they're also not changing, like, the core format of the game. It's not like, so if they took, like, those original Castlevania games and was transitioning them into, like, a 3D kind of like the Castlevania Lord of Shadows games, and those were coming out and those were doing well, then I would have a lot more faith in the MGS three remake and the silent Hills two remake, but those were just kind of more keeping them as originals and just making them accessible on modern consoles. Now with these next two remakes in silent Hills two and metal gear solid three, it's you're changing something. So you're like, now it's going to be on your own chops as a developer. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, I agree with everything said. So we'll see when those come out. I just, 
thought it was unfortunate to hear that before they released Silent Hill 2. I think if they released Silent Hill 2 and then they said that, that's fine. The reason why I also say that is when you think about optics, it doesn't change anything for them in a positive light because they're still going to have to release Silent Hill 2. It's not if they mm-hmm. finished this and then said that, then it'd be like, okay, now maybe we have a tease or we can think about what they're going to work on next. But at this point, it's just telling us you're already thinking about the next product when arguably this is the most important thing they've ever worked on. I don't think this is how to make your name in the industry. If this, yeah, if this is a good if this is a good remake, a nine out of nine, ten out of ten kind of unanimously loved remake. This will put Bloober team in a different light than what they're currently in. Mm-hmm. So uh, unfortunate to see, but we will follow up on that. I mean, when that comes out, I'm still excited for it. Just a little bit more worrisome. And then back to Ubisoft. I mean, Skull and Bones, I don't really care about, but Assassin's Creed 4 <laughs> could be interesting when the time comes. I just don't know how necessary a remake is, but it is a 10 year old game now, even though it is yeah, only so. a generation old. It, it was still a launch title, so it's as old as it, it could get on the last generation. And it was on PS3, right? Yeah, it was on PS3. That was back at the time where you did where there were cross gen games, which yeah. So that it now seems like, like it goes core PS3. Yeah, agreed. And now it seems like we go years in and they're cross gen, but back then it wasn't for as long. Don't worry, Jim Ryan believes in generations, though. Yeah, that's what he said. Well, so I mean, <laughs> talking about Jim Ryan, do you want to hop into this FTC stuff? All right. So yeah, we can definitely hop into this. This has been very exciting and very interesting. Um, I'm just going to go off this list that IGN provided. I feel like it was a nice wrap up of what we learned about these 12 surprising reveals from the Xbox FTC trial. And we're just going to I'm just going to hit the bullet points and then we'll we'll go by each of the reveals, how you feel about it. Um, The first one they start off with here is that Xbox admits it's lost the console wars and has admit that it's basically been in third place consistently outside of the Xbox 360 generation and I think that this is um this is an interesting argument because this is basically Xbox's whole argument is like we suck, we've been third, so you should let us buy everything. Mm-hmm. And I just don't necessarily think that that's a good argument because it's like why would we let if you can't manage what you have currently, why would we give you more to fuck up? Yeah, I would agree. I also I also think them saying that they've been in third place since the 360 generation, I don't think that's true. I think that maybe mm-hmm. now the Switch has become like the Switch is definitely a force to be reckoned with, but that came out in 2017. So in between that, I wouldn't say they were in third place because in between that was the Wii U. And I don't think anyone would say the Wii U was like killing Xbox. The Wii U was a problem for Nintendo. And then they switched that when they made the Switch. But the Xbox One was so bad that it was like, yeah. I mean, like that... last generation PS4, I think just killed everybody. I agree. Like, it wasn't even close. I agree with that. I think I then maybe just optically, maybe if we look at the if we look at the financials and like the sales numbers, then maybe they would still be third place. But optically, it didn't feel that way. I think it felt like, of course, we have Sony and and Xbox competing and Nintendo is existing, too. And, you know, enjoying it. I love my Wii U, but I Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that as being like a step forward for Nintendo. I thought of that that as their step back and then the switch came out and obviously switch is going to kill xbox i mean switch is doing excellent numbers and stuff like that but i don't i also just think yeah what to to have the to have the argument of we're bad so this should go through i don't know it comes 
it's just a weird it's just a weird thing to read it's like just don't it and it seems deceptive yeah i would agree with it that it seems too. like you're just you're just like we suck but we have a lot of money it it you know what it reeks of it reeks of like a like a billionaire's son mm-hmm. like it's a billionaire's son who's just like funneling all his dad's cash into like this passion project that like everybody's like yeah this is not going to work out but it's like, well, he has the money to fucking pay for all these people to show up and work for him. But it's like everybody knows that this is not going to work out. Yeah, it also kind of feels like when you're in the room with somebody who's crying, but like you don't really care about why they're crying. So you're like, all right, yeah. this is just kind of like embarrassing, a little uncomfortable. Let's exactly. clean this up. And so that's how it comes off, too, where it's like, OK, you lost. I don't know if you need to say that. It's a little I don't know if it really helps any any piece of your argument, but okay, cool that you said that. Let's kind of move on is kind of how I feel when I saw that. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, and also with the Microsoft admitting they've lost the console wars already, which is like, duh, we already knew that. But it's like they never had a console that's broken 100 million like uh, units sold. Mm -hmm. And PlayStation has done that every PlayStation console except the PS3 and obviously PS5 because it's still ongoing has sold over 100 million. Nintendo's got a few under their belt with the Wii and the Switch. And I'm I'm not 100% sure on the handhelds, but I'm pretty sure DS and 3DS if you combine them is at least over 100 million. So Mm -hmm. especially when you're looking at these companies that have been so successful and so dominant, it doesn't feel like Xbox is a part of gaming culture outside of game pass and being disruptive but it's not their games that are doing the talking it's their services yeah i agree and when you i think the when i think about xbox i think about you know halo i think about forza and then outside of that it kind of stops and i have to think harder to think about Mm -hmm. the games so and even then when you're thinking about halo halo was really an xbox 360 is when that was killing and forza i would say maybe last generation but that's when they're already in third place as they're putting it. So, yep. And then buying, buying all of the other, you know, we're in the losing, we're losing. So we need to buy everyone else. I know that they, a lot has come out about like different partners that they've been talking to. And a lot of those partners are like, nah, we're good. Even if they're going to get paid really well, they're probably like, well, we don't want you to destroy our reputation too. Yeah. And Phil Spencer was on the stand asked about uh, the FTC trial and they asked him, directly are you purchasing um activision to increase your spot you're saying you're in third are you trying to be second and first and he admitted because he's under oath so i technically i mean if you're under oath and you lie like that's perjury and you will you know you go to jail you can get in big time trouble for that so this is what he genuinely feels you would assume that he's not lying Mm -hmm. now hopefully not if he is he's fucked but they asked him, oh, do you think this purchase of Activision Blizzard would re- increase your stock in that in that ranking? And he said no. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why? Are you, I, I don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand it either. It, it seems like just a lot of a lot of mixed messaging. And of course, we've been talking about this for years now. So it's just like a lot of mixed signals where I don't understand what mm-hmm. the point or goal is. Like, I know that they did mention that the plan is never to make Call of Duty exclusive because PlayStation sales are an essential part of it, which we knew, but they never publicly acknowledged. So I think when you have like us as the audience or the people watching, spectating, knowing like this is the way this is, but they don't address it, then it just comes off as as like confusing to us of like, why is why are they doing the things that they're doing when we know some of the things, but like nothing is being confirmed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, it's just confusing. Yep. 
So moving on to the next bullet point here. Microsoft says the next-gen consoles could be starting in 2028. So how do you feel about that, the generation starting in 2028? We're now approaching the three-year mark for both of them this fall. I think fine. It was something that me and you actually already knew because we reported on this on the show some mm-hmm. time ago. There, Not from the Xbox side, but from the PlayStation side, there were some documents that came out talking about kind of the next generation that they were saying would be no earlier than 2028, I think was specifically the wording that they had used. So since we had reported on that, that kind of has just been in my mind of like, okay, 2028. And so us being five years away, I feel good. I think I feel good because when you look back on past generations, I feel like the strongest times for them are the early years and the closing years. So we still, Mm -hmm. I think... As long as we have two years left, right? So I think in between 2026 and 28, we'll get like some crazy bangers. We need to. to Yeah. And the end it strong, you have to have some heat. So I think that's since that's normally been the like par for the course that I'm not too worried about Mm -hmm. it like coming up in 2028. I'm not like they need to last a super long time. If it's eight years long, that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you're thinking about the fact that you're buying a... $400 $400 to $500 console and then using it for potentially eight years. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with that timeline, but it seems like that's what the we heard. Like we said, we heard leaks from Sony side and Microsoft is kind of confirming it in these documents in the trial. So 2028 seems realistically when we're going to get some new stuff. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Um, it might but come then off it, as different to people who are like still on PlayStation 4. But that's that's. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're still on PlayStation that's Four, that's on you. Exactly. That's not like PlayStation. That's ten years old. Yeah, that's not PlayStation's fault, and you can't argue like a supply chain or a non-availability kind of point now when you know that you can get them. So I think 2028 yeah. is fine. Yeah, definitely. And then another interesting bullet point, which I don't, I know you uh, mentioned this, I think before we got on here or when, while we were in the beginning of the show, but Microsoft wanted to scoop up a lot of developers and they had a actually a list of over a hundred developers that they considered at one point. Some of the highlights there are Bungie, Sega, Square Enix, uh, uh, Zanga, uh, Pokemon Go's Niantic, IO Interactive, and another fu- and super giant games. And then another one I found that was funny on the list is that uh, uh, Housemark. They mm. were thinking about trying to acquire Housemark. So, how do you feel about this list of 100 developers? It just kind of feels when you when I saw this, it was like it was kind of like laughable. It's like, oh, Microsoft is just trying to buy the game industry and just put everything on Game Pass. It feels like they're almost trying to like destroy the game industry at this point. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's I, I saw Sega and I saw IO Interactive and a couple of those other ones on their Square Enix. I mean, they're huge because they're not just some of those are just going to be developers. Some of those are going to be publishers. So you're like, OK, you're going to be trying to buy whole branches of games rather than individually, which, again, coming from a place of not just to be negative, but thinking about Xbox as a company who is kind of known for maybe not having the best management. It, mm-hmm. You know, it also comes off as like, OK, well, if you're going to buy a whole branch, how are you going to handle that? I'm not saying that it's one to one or that they're the same, but you see other companies taking off more than they can handle and it becomes a problem. You think of Embracer, right, where you're going to buy, 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 probably not going to mm-hmm. work out. It's too much to handle. And then you got to figure that out. When you think about Xbox, I mean, another thing that 
just because we're on the topic of it, I mean, we're predominantly a PlayStation show, but I also saw that the Perfect Dark reboot or remake that they've been working on for a long time is still years away and is now considering an episodic release. That like just sounds... That sounds really bad to me because episodic release now just comes to me as like, well, we can't finish the game in time, but we need to get something out. That is a separate matter. But I think the looking at single developers maybe is not as alarming, but looking at publishers, I think is crazy. And I agree with your point of that kind of impacts the industry as a whole and maybe not the best way. And it is in a different way from how PlayStation or Nintendo has done it, because I know, of course, this is going to be a targeted at playstation with how their arguments are but i think it's important to consider all contexts so like nintendo 2 when you have those teams being purchased to be in-house or developed just naturally to be in-house they're done that way because their games released to high quality and then they're purchased that way versus just buying sections of the industry not knowing the quality level or what's going to happen but just doing it because you can because we know that i mean we can tell ourselves whatever we want, but at the end of the day, we know it's because Microsoft is like, hey, we have so much money, we can just spend it. Yeah, and then that was another thing that was uh, revealed is that uh, Matt Booty said that they would just spend, they would just outspend my, uh, Sony to like destroy them, or PlayStation specifically to destroy them, which uh, uh, that caught some heat from some, like obviously the Sony ponies out there went crazy, but obviously the goal is both companies are trying to put each other out. And from these like reveals of these trials, it seems like there's no love lost, very bad blood between both of them. Yeah. Which again, makes sense, right? They're direct competitors. I think even if the funny thing is, even if Xbox was able to, and they won't be, but even if they were able to buy a majority of publishers and like, let's say there was a few hundred titles releasing on Xbox per year and there were like 15 or 20 coming out on PlayStation, PlayStation could probably still hold its own depending on what those games are just because of the level of quality and the fact that you have to buy them with some, which obviously people who are, you know, casual game pass enjoyers think is a problem, but like, you know, you should be paying for your games day one. And so Sony recognizes that because it's not value destructive, which I know is, is a term that Jim Ryan mentioned. Yeah. So we can just go into that too. I'll I'll scroll down, down to that one because Jim Ryan and also um, what's the, what's his face? Bobby Kotick. We're very much uh, talking about the fact that Game Pass is just, like you said, value destructive. And Jim Ryan actually was quoted as saying he's talked to all the publishers and they unanimously do not like Game Pass because it is value destructive. And then um, Bobby Kotick says he does not agree with the idea of a multi-game subscription service as a business proposition going forward. But we can agree to disagree when when talking Mm -hmm. about it. Which some people were thinking that Bobby Kotick was trying to uh, like sink the deal with his like with his uh, like um, when he got on the stand and was questioned about the, you know, the value proposition with Game Pass and stuff like that. But what I like, even if he was, is that really so surprising? I mean, it, it's value wise. It, it is the deal is worth a lot to him, too. And he probably sees like, OK, well, if you're going to throw it on a service, I'm going to make less money. I always. Yeah, but. I, I think he's going to get kicked out of the, if the purchase goes through a, he's going to get kicked out and he's going to leave the deal. I believe they said estimated with $450 million. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be loaded no matter what, <laughs> but I think even that some of the points outside of him and like personally or who he is like they they're Yeah. It, it, value destructive is something that we've kind of spoke about before. It doesn't seem like a sustainable way to be, 
making these games that are extremely expensive, which we'll mention later, but it's, it's not, you have to pay for them if you want them. And I think it is another way that it's value destructive is in the way that people perceive games, right? A lot of times you'll see games get announced or brought to certain systems or consoles. And a lot of times you just scroll down to the comments and people be like, Oh, I'll wait for this to be on whatever service. So like nobody wants to pay for it. They just expect to get everything for really cheap, really low, which I understand, of course, naturally as a consumer, you're going to want to spend as little of your capital as possible and get maximum enjoyment. But that also means that what you're getting is going to be shittier, right? Like you're going to go to McDonald's and pay nothing because you're going to get a fucking grimace shake. But if you want to go to a nice (laughs) restaurant, you're going to have to cough up the cash because it costs that business more money to create a better product. Yeah. And then also the FTC kind of pointed that out where they were talking about with... um... Microsoft making these all these purchases is that you're you're not making money. If you're spending six billion dollars on Bethesda Studios alone and you're not selling the games, how are you making money? Obviously it's about the Game Pass subscriptions, but Game Pass has been kind of stagnant in numbers. It hasn't really been growing because when it was growing, Xbox didn't shut the fuck up about it. But we haven't heard about Game Pass numbers and I believe in like a like eight months to a year that nobody's really mentioned it. And there was a CEO or a CFO of Microsoft said that they purposely put the margins to be lower on Xbox as a business division. So that way it looks profitable and better. Yeah. Like, and even talking about subscription numbers and stuff like that, you know, recently Netflix had had done their crackdown on sharing. And after mm-hmm. they had done that, they spoke about like, Oh, you know, we're, this is how I think all those fucking grease balls sound. They're, oh, you know, we, we're over 100% in growth now because... Yeah. Okay, the reason is, though, is because a lot of times on a subscription service, once somebody gets it, they're probably going to stay on it, but you're going to hit a cap because you're not... Like, mm-hmm. there's not there's not new people that are like, mm-hmm. oh, what's Netflix? Like, everyone yes. knows what it is. It's going to be the same thing with Xbox and Game Pass. Like, everyone knows what that is. So if they have interest in it, they have the subscription... If they don't have interest, they don't. But you're not getting anyone new. So like naturally, you're not going to really increase those numbers or make more money on it. Whereas per pop per game, that's always going to be different because it's something new that could potentially capture a much larger audience every time. And you're going to make a lot more money on it, probably if you're selling it at its retail price tag that you should be. And this is something that we I've kind of mentioned talking about whenever we hear about people departing from Xbox or creating these new new studios, I've always held the idea that it's because they're not getting financially compensated the way that they're supposed to. So they're all leaving because I've heard before or I've read before that if you're even if you're a regular developer or if you're higher level at a studio, a lot of times your bonuses are tied to the amount of units that you sell. Or Metacritic scores or, you know, all kinds of like those are big deals. And, xbox taking out the sales and clearly not managing their studios well where they're not popping games that are getting 90 metacritic scores or and stuff like that like you're like you're saying like these developers are losing out on bonuses and those bonuses from what i've heard especially like like with like a studio like rockstar like their bonuses are like you know like can be like seven uh, not seven figures but like uh what was i gonna say like not seven what is it like tens of thousands yeah, so yeah. five figures like five to six figures are your bonuses if you if you like are hitting your marks. And that's a big, you know, big chunk of gauge. Plus, I also feel like you're not motivated to make as high quality of a game if you don't have to hit those metrics and there's a ceiling to how much you can make. So mm-hmm. and I don't like the way that Xbox has been framing games as content. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw with like the purchase of all these studios is that they just need content and content and content. And it's like not games are content, but it's like when you're framing them like that, it's kind of belittling them as like they're just like fodder. And it's like games are not that type of media where it's like Netflix can pump out a bunch of shitty shows and you watch it in the background. Games are like you have to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. You're interacting with the medium. It's like it has to be good. Like if it's not good, it's not something you can mindlessly do because you're moving and you're making the decisions. So if it doesn't feel good, you're not going to want to play it. If the story makes no sense, you're more like um, paying attention to it than a shitty show. I also think making the comparison with all of the Netflix shows is good too because what Netflix is also famous for is canceling those shows because it's like, yeah, how... How interested are people going to be or more specifically when you release those shows, are you really getting any new subscribers or any new revenue or are you just wasting it? Cause you think like, this is what people want, but it's not really going to capture anyone new. Yep. And then, so talking about the, you know, about Bobby and Jim Ryan saying there's no value proposition. Also another thing, uh, take two's Zell Strauss. What is his name? Strauss. Scrouse Zelnick, he's also been on financial calls talking about how Game Pass doesn't work for them. And I think there's a big disconnect because there's Xbox fanboys that'd be like, oh, look at all these publishers saying they love Game Pass, like a game like Liza P, Wu Long, Atomic Heart. Like, oh, these are these are, you know, bigger these are bigger games that are on Game Pass. And it's like those are A level games that they need that money up front because if, if they thought Wulong, if they thought Atomic Heart, they thought Liza P is going to sell 10 million copies, it would not be on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But they know it's probably not going to sell 10, 10 million copies. And then they also know on Microsoft's end that they're training their audience to not buy games. Mm-hmm. Like That's a very well-known thing that people on, that are playing on Xbox do not buy games because they expect everything to be free through the Microsoft like you know, uh, Game Pass. And then while PlayStation, you know, the audience knows you got to pay to play yeah i think so and it just again it just kind of i don't know i feel like from a common sense perspective it makes sense like if you want a good product you have to pay for it we're not saying it has to be like more expensive because it's not like the games are more expensive it's just either paying a standard price or paying a cheaper price which xbox is also raising its game pass price and its hardware price too so like those things are still also going to happen and it's going to seem like it's less but it will be more expensive yeah. And then going on to the price, we also learned in some poorly redacted uh, um, documents that The Last of Us Part 2 cost $220 million to develop, while Horizon Forbidden West cost $212 million to develop. I was shocked that people found this shocking. I thought that, that was kind of mm-hmm. common knowledge that these, I mean, you get, you get games that look this good, play this good, feel this good. It's not going to be cheap. But, um, but yeah. What do you think about that? Officially knowing the budgets for both of these games. And that's only on the development side. That's probably not including marketing. Yeah, that and doesn't all include marketing. I know that that was mentioned. That doesn't include marketing. I don't think similar to what you're saying. I don't think that's all that surprising. I think we kind of could guess that this would be the budgets of these games, especially when you play them. I mean, that it's definitely going to be partially not partially it's going to be majority talent of the team making it but also a lot of money because you have to pay f- to get that level of fidelity so i don't think it's too surprising especially when you know just some of the big games that have huge budgets right like rockstar is known to have big budgets in games well it's a lot of times because their games are fantastic and they're incredibly detailed 
So it makes sense. And they're going to make money. They're going to sell. Yeah. And they're okay spending that money because when they think about it, it's going to be worth it in the long run because they're going to make profit on that anyway. But they're not going to spend that kind of money for something that's just going to come out on a subscription service. So you're you're going to get a worse quality product if that is the case. I also wanted to mention just talking about Game Pass and PlayStation Plus. I know this is something that comes up a lot is when people talk about Game Pass and they're like, oh, well, PlayStation Plus is just copying like Game Pass. I it really it really isn't. I know that I would say it's becoming more similar to Game Pass. But the reason why I wouldn't say it's copying it, I just want to mention is like I know nobody used it except for fucking me. But PlayStation (laughs) now did exist for a really long time. And it's essentially the same thing. Just I think the premium tier is the really new thing. And the, the naming. premium tier, and that's the most controversial tier out of all of them. Yeah, too. I would agree with that. But I think uh, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that because I, I feel like I hear that sometimes being like, hey, well, PlayStation is copying it, so it must be working. And it's like, well, they're not because they're not releasing their day one stuff on it. And they're just rebranding a service that already existed. Yeah. And then I feel like this is also a good argument for the FTC to be like, OK, if a game costs two hundred and twenty million dollars and you're putting it on Game Pass, how are you generating that money back? Yeah. And also, how is like Microsoft or Xbox will never be able to get a game of that quality on Game Pass because I don't even know. You would have to give somebody like you would have to give somebody what? Three hundred, four hundred, five hundred million dollars to put a game pa- like a game of like Last of Us 2 quality on Game Pass day one. And I, I mean, is Microsoft really going to be spending half a billion dollars to have day one game pass exclusivity yeah i don't know i mean it's 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 true yeah because it's like like the games they have are like atomic heart and wulong and liza peas i'm gonna assume that those games are probably like what like 20 to 50 million dollar budgets that's what they seem like and feel like probably i would say that's probably accurate and that's something that you can pay for and like you can buy and even then you're they're overpaying for that because those games are probably not going to make that money back well and those are all also on playstation so they can still yeah. make revenues elsewhere. I mm-hmm. think exclusives definitely is where it gets harder, right? Because it's like, well, you're going to spend that much on an exclusive that does not even have the possibility of selling elsewhere. And mm-hmm. then also, I I mean, there was a time too, not that long ago, where Xbox said like they don't even feel like they're capable of making something to the same level of quality as A Last of Us. And that has nothing yeah, to do with... Yeah, during the Apple trials yeah. for like uh, the Fortnite things. And that has nothing to do with money. Because they know they can outspend them, so that's it, it. That's outside of money. They just don't think it's possible for them to do that. Which I wonder why. Yeah, it, is it like talent? Is it management? It's not even talent because remember the quadruple A Perfect Dark. Uh, what was the name of the studio? I don't. You remember uh, the uh, initiative? The initiative. Yeah. The initiative quadruple A studio. With Crystal, they poached a lot of with Crystal Dynamics behind them. With Crystal, that was yeah, that was later on. But initially, it was proposed to us quadruple A studio. They poached a lot of talent from Santa Monica. They poached talent from Naughty Dog. It didn't fall through because at the end of the day, you need you need management. And when you have when you're getting this bloated, there's no way Phil Spencer and Matt Booty are actually managing this. And then we learned that with Bethesda that they were pretty much hands off with Redfield or Redfall. And then look how that came out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and a lot of those were planned to be also on playstation so shifting gears just to be on xbox and it's also like per the i don't know what the creatives that are actually working on those games want because they of course can't come out publicly and just say that kind of stuff but like i can't imagine that they're all like yeah all right cool xbox we're gonna do that we're super excited about that also when we know that 
Yes, it would be more difficult to develop for multiple platforms, but we also have heard that specifically developing for like the Series S is a problem for studios and they have to make that work for something to release on the Series X as well. Yep. And then so going on to games that are that they're making specifically for um, Xbox, this is something that was a very interesting. We all we all, we already knew that Starfield was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive. But we're also learning that Indiana Jones is as well supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive and Microsoft through this purchase has taken away those games and they still don't know about the exclusivity about Elder Scrolls and some other titles coming from Bethesda. And it seems like Microsoft's relationship with Bethesda is a little bit icy because there were some uh, emails that were were revealed where Pete Hines was kind of being, you know, a little passive aggressive with Phil Spencer wondering why. Activision gets to remain third party and release their games everywhere. Mm-hmm. And remember when Phil Spencer, when uh, Pete Hines said that start when they officially announced, because it was only 2021 when they announced that Starfield would be exclusive because it was still kind of up in the air when they first purchased it. Because remember, Phil Spencer was being like, oh, you know, maybe they might be coming to PlayStation. Yeah. Nah, mm-hmm. nah, nah. And remember, Phil Spencer said he's sorry. He said he was sorry to PlayStation fans that Starfield had to be exclusive to Xbox, which is. You know, I feel like that's kind of weird to say. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I like like exactly what you're saying with Pete Hines and Bethesda. Like, I'm sure that they're like, no, you'd much prefer to sell this everywhere. You're going to have more fans. You're going to make way more money. It's just like, yeah, I'm sure that they don't want to do that. I think the energy would be different, right, from a any any PlayStation exclusive studio. It's going to be different because like they they want to do that like they they're not purchased from they're not operating in one way and then purchased and switching the way they're operating. They've always operated in a certain way. So it's not, they're not being forced to do anything they don't want to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, most of the Sony's had a lot more organic growth with like sucker punch and Somniac and naughty dog, those big three and Santa Monica as well, where it's like, they were all in like second party development relationships, making exclusive for PlayStation and then brought on officially as first party teams, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being a multi-platform studio and just being outright brought. And even when they did do that with Bungie, they had them be, um, remain third party. Like Bungie is not considered a PlayStation studio. It's just owned by PlayStation. Yeah. I also think it's important to think about the, with the organic growth, the way that you scale up, right? Because you're going to start with smaller games that are going to be less risky. And then when they're successful, you go up and up and up and up and up. But buying somebody like Bethesda is going to be a flip side where they're already doing the maximum output that they can, but you're now reducing their, their like pool of rev of possible revenue. Yeah. You're making them not grow. Actually, this purchase is like, like making them not shine as much because mm-hmm. like Bethesda is not going to be able to like like it's never like Starfield is never going to be as big as Skyrim yeah of course and that's just that's just the fact and Elder Scrolls the new Elder Scrolls will never be as big as Skyrim if it's not released on multi-platforms which I also do think eventually that these games are going to just have to come out on um on PlayStation just because even some of the Xbox heads of their own the Microsoft CEO, I don't Nidell, said that he has no love for console exclusivity and that they're actually trying to make um, Game Pass or they've been trying to make Game Pass on PlayStation mm-hmm. and have like a bespoke version of it where maybe it's not everything that Game Pass has, but it's a way to get 
um, PlayStation fans to buy to play like Xbox exclusives. I think that that of course works for them and makes sense. But if it has to be, let's say we that that does happen where we and that's a long shot. But even if that did happen and you have a Game Pass on your system, if I was to boot up Game Pass and it's within still the framework of Xbox, right? So I'm earning Xbox achievements. I don't I wouldn't really want to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it would still feel slimy and shitty. It's like, OK, well, that's not really not exclusive. That's just like yeah. exclusive and trying to like be on someone else's turf. Yeah, so it's it's just very interesting. It doesn't seem like anybody's happy with Xbox and they're just taking the money. Obviously, I think, you know, ZeniMax, I don't think that that decision was a Pete Hines and um, no, absolutely Todd Howard not. decision. That seemed like it was just like, hey, we got to take this $6 billion. I think they bought, they went to go buy Bethesda when they were a little bit weak. Wolfenstein 2 sales were not crazy good. And then that's why and that's what we learned. They were trying to ensure some capital by making Starfield a PlayStation exclusive and Indiana Jones a PlayStation exclusive. But even then, I know people are going to be like, well, look, they're making them exclusive. But Sony wasn't outright buying these games and they might have been a similar deal to Ghostwire and Deathloop where it's like only a year of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And why would you not take that cash up front on the biggest platform? Like, I know people are going to point out, well, you know, Xbox did that with Tomb Raider and Xbox did that with like, you know, Titanfall. And it's like, yeah, those games failed because of that, because they were on the losing console. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not as good titles as I would say either of those other ones. Like Tomb Raider is good, but it's not it's not that good. I thought, of course, Ghostwire, great Deathloop, phenomenal. And yeah, the one year exclusivity, like fine. And then it comes over to another system. Cool, but not locking it away for good when it's not actually an in-house studio. And speaking about Pete Hines, I mean, I can only assume how he, or I can only guess like how he feels about, of course, one being like, okay, well, how are you going to buy this other company and keep them in a third party capacity? But also $6 billion sounds great, but it doesn't sound like anything when you compare it to 70 billion. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that yeah. has to play into it too, where it's like, okay, well, you gave us 6 billion, which was cool at the time, but it's like 10% of what you're offering this other studio and they get to keep making money. Yeah, and then there's another interesting quote here about uh, Bobby Kotick was saying that making Call of Duty Xbox exclusive isn't in Activision's best interest. He was quoted by saying, you would alienate over 100 million monthly active players. Half of them play on phones, but the rest of them play on computer and PlayStation, and you would have a revolt if you were to remove the game from more than one platform. Gamers are very passionate, and so with that kind of investment, time, and effort, you get an enthusiastic, passionate group of of people. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would work against them in the sense of I wonder if they're thinking like, "Hey, well, if we have these and you put them all on our system, we're going to get people to like come over and just join us." I feel like the more likely thing that would happen is people would just hate them and be like, "All right, well, now we all got to do whatever we can to collectively destroy them." Yeah, and I mean. I don't know. It's just what Xbox is doing is just kind of inorganic. And it's kind of like been their MO from the beginning. I don't know if you remember the stories of when mm-hmm. Xbox was trying to first get in. They were they went up to Nintendo and straight up were like, can we buy you? What? They never tried to have organic growth and build like they never knew how to make games or foster good game studios. Even Microsoft with uh, Bungie and Halo, that was supposed to be for the Apple mm-hmm. like computer. So it's like they never understood the game making process yeah i agree and yeah exactly with halo i was gonna bring up that point too is it's just that examples of even right from the beginning where they weren't 
organic. So I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, it's confusing. The... We'll see more uh, come out. Obviously, I don't. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's it's at this point, it's I think really cool to just see a peek kind of behind the businesses of both or of everyone involved and see like what everyone is thinking, especially now under oath and all that kind of stuff. But I would just imagine you can't keep these things for you can't keep them for exclusive long and or what's just going to happen is what I think we've already started to see happen where you're just going to have your talent leave and go form another studio and just work on something else. Or Game Pass is going to have to be like, it's going to have to cost a game. It's going to have to be $70 every month. Yeah, which for it to be manageable, which I don't think is from everything that they're promising of this Activision deal goes through and all the games they have in the development pipeline, $70 a month for a subscription service like that, I don't think is the worst. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I think it would be, I don't think people would do it, but I yeah. I agree that if you're, if you're playing everything, then it's a good value. <laughs> Or mm-hmm. a decent value. It depends on the month, right? Because then that's where like it really depends on the month. But the thing is, there are a lot of people that only play a couple of games a year. And by a couple, I mean like less than five. And some of them would yeah. just be buying Call of Duty. So then it's... I, At I that point, know. there's no point. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to see more on that because it's a lot of hypotheticals. It's it's definitely interesting to break down the little bits of information that we get that are new. But as a whole... I don't know where it's going. I'm still in my head. I'm still like, I have nothing to worry about because whatever they take away is probably going to come back anyway, or those developers will leave and make a new studio because it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. Yeah. It seems like, like I said, the Bethesda relationship is not as, and I think that that's kind of been, that's been peaking out. Like, I feel like Pete Hines with the, I'm sorry, Todd Howard with, I don't know if Elder Scrolls is coming to PlayStation. Oh, Pete Hines like, said, sorry. Earlier you said Phil Pete- Spencer. My bad, Pete Hines. My bad. I, my, I meant Pete Hines said he's that makes sense. Fucking I was sorry for say, nothing. That makes a lot more sense because at the time I was like, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, Pete Hines said he was sorry about Starfield not coming to PlayStation, and then Todd Howard with the he was questioned about Elder Scrolls Six, and he's like, uh, I don't know. And it's like they they clearly want their games on PlayStation. But the one more fact before we head off this trial is uh. The amount of money that PlayStation makes off of Call of Duty is fucking ridiculous. We knew it was a lot, but now we have official numbers. So Call of Duty generates over $800 million for PlayStation in the United States alone in 2021. And then throughout the world, worldwide, it generated $1.5 billion for PlayStation. Mm. Just as just as a game being there, they're getting a 30% rip off of During it. During 2021, which is Vanguard year. During Vanguard's year, which is a soft year, imagine when it was Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, so that would be the, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that would have been the and that was historically the softest year for Call of Duty. So that is real softest in a long time. I don't know. I don't want to go ahead and say softest ever, but I know that that was really soft. So that mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, of course, it's a it's, it's almost a billion. So yeah, and it's worth a shit ton, which makes sense because like I think. If you're somebody who plays PlayStation or Xbox and it's my first time meeting you, my assumption is you play 2K or Call of Duty or both of them and you sprinkle in mm-hmm. Fortnite and GTA too. Yeah. And then I think on a it changes when I'm talking to people and say, "Oh no, I play more." And then great. Then mm-hmm. it's like, "Okay, cool." But standard, I feel like those are the things that everyone plays. Also me included. I'm not saying I'm outside of that. I'm just saying we play those and other things. But those I think like Fortnite, GTA, Call of Duty, and 2K are the things that like everyone 
either dabbles in or spends most of their time with. So you can't take away like one of those core pillars and not think it's going to have a gigantic impact. Yeah, there's just certain games that I don't think like I don't think I don't want PlayStation to buy a bunch of studios either. Like I like Mm -hmm. I like that each of them had like their few franchises or a few studios and like they would make their like few exclusives. But I think, you know, multi-platform is is fine. Like I think like a like a studio like Bethesda has no right to be exclusive. It just doesn't make any sense. Their heritage was never exclusive outside of maybe Morrowind was only on the original Xbox and that was about it. Well and even Oblivion was on Xbox first, but it came to PlayStation after. Yeah, but that was just the PS3 had a lot of bad blood for a lot of people. Cause that because Bioshock came first there too. Mass Effect came there first. So it was just the PS3 was just a wonky system that for people to develop on. That's true, but I think I'm just trying to say that it wasn't a planned exclusivity. And it wasn't yeah. permanent. Exactly. And then also one more tidbit before we head out. I know I said that last time, but it, this I thought you would find this interesting. So Sony revealed that half of PlayStation 5 owners own a Switch and only 20% of them own a Xbox Series SRX. Yeah, I think that's right. They serve different purposes and I own a Switch. I don't own an Xbox. My plan mm-hmm. was always to get a series console when Starfield came out. But I also was under the impression where, again, at the time maybe good gift but now i'm like oh my bad man it's like i was even gonna be like cool i'll get a series s just so i can play starfield but like now knowing or hearing developers talk about it being difficult to make games for a series s i'm like well i don't really want to get one so i'd be getting a more expensive one which makes me more hesitant and then also starfield hasn't even come out and we're three years in so i haven't gotten uh i haven't gotten an xbox either so i i feel like those stats sound pretty accurate yeah, but I, I love this shit because I love like all the behind the scenes stuff that we get to learn. It's like very like nerdy and minutia, mm-hmm. but it's like I just love learning about how like the industry is and like the manufacturing of games because yeah. like obviously it's fun to play games. But I think like where the money comes from, these big projects, you know, we've only been hearing like how the games industry makes more money than like TV and yada, yada, yada combined. So it's it's fun to see like the numbers of the how much these products actually cost and the money that like a third party like giant like call of duty generates for sony i also think it allows us to look forward and have a really a much better understanding of what we think is going to be coming down the pipeline because you just understand what's happening like you're saying the way that these financials are flowing in and out of these companies so i i think it makes things fun to even speculate just and i figure being a better informed consumer of knowing what you're getting also i -hmm. think that the metric of amount of people who own an xbox and own other things like either a or no it was from playstation's perspective so playstation uh, 5 20 percent of them own an xbox i think what i would like to see is flipped how many xbox players own a playstation i think the percentage fucking 100 that's what i was gonna say i think the place i think the percentage would be way higher Mm -hmm. so i think things like that would be interesting too and a lot of these of course since it's going to be both of them trying to sink each other you're not going to get parallel information but some of these things it would be interesting to see that right like that perspective i would want to know how many people who own an xbox series console have a playstation 5 probably most of them i would think definitely and it's also not to say that place like i know we're a playstation podcast but playstation is not completely like not in the wrong at all you know they did shady shit with final fantasy 7 remake mm-hmm. that was announced to be a xbox game 
I know Stellar Blade was also announced to be an Xbox game, and then that deal got reworked in some way that now it's only coming to PlayStation. So it's, you know, it goes both ways, but I think PlayStation was being more strategic with with its aggression, while Microsoft is like, we're just going to fucking throw money at everything. I also think it's important as a consumer to know, like, look, it's a corporation. No matter who it is that you're talking about, they don't give a fuck about you. They want your dollars, and that's it. But... At the end of the day, which games are going to be of the highest quality is I think really is just like that's the final straw because none of them are going to have your actual best intentions at heart. They don't care, but it's not going to matter as much when you're playing something that's really fucking good. That's true. Uh, It's sad to say to the Xbox fanboys out there, Phil Spencer actually does not give a fuck about you. Just as Jim Ryan does not give a fuck about us. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. They're not supposed to. They're beholden to shareholders and making money. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree. And I think that it's just, you know, I think we even, even with the, with leniency on like being banned and stuff like that, right? If you spend more money, you're more valued, but they don't care about you. It's just how much are you spending and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that even then you're just a you're just a number to them anyway but the quality of the game is the only thing that matters as the end result and that's what it seems like microsoft is lacking and i think that's i think that's most i think objectively that's what people's fear is with microsoft purchasing everything is that they don't have that quality bar as a publisher mm-hmm. so them acquiring more is just what's fearful i don't i think even outside of like a fanboy console exclusive perspective i think objectively you can look at it and be like i don't necessarily know if i want them to buy everything because nothing is coming out and nothing is looking too great it's like the same thing with embracer when you mentioned earlier i mean i don't think it's that different from even like disney where it's like you're getting more and more and more that doesn't necessarily mean that it's better and at a certain point even if you're getting more if it if it hits that threshold where you're no longer interested in it you're gonna watch or consume none of the content so it doesn't matter it's just white noise yeah it doesn't matter how much is made you're consuming none and ultimately at that point you might hit a point where you're like oh well i'm consuming none of it let me cancel my subscription and then it's counter intuitive to what they're trying to do in the first place it's that yeah, thing too like with this- respecting time like wanting to mm-hmm. completely take all of the attention that people have to give and i don't think people want to do that if it earns it, then it earns it, but they don't want to feel forced to be like, okay, well, this is all I'm going to get to consume or play or watch or whatever. Or I feel like with Xbox gamers, like they're being told what to play. Mm-hmm. It's like, if it's coming to Game Pass, that's what we have to play. Yeah. It's not like you make an informed decision anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that's also very true, where it's like, now you're just mindless. And mm-hmm. we say this not for all people who are playing on Xbox, of course. Speaking of a very small minority, I think it's like the loud minority that you would hear on social media talking about like Game Pass being great and stuff like that. And then you'd probably check their account. They probably don't play anything anyway. But that's a very small, loud minority. So yeah. we're just basing it off of that. But I'm sure a majority of them probably feel a similar way. Like I don't. I don't think either of us are very much on a we're speaking about it because it is irrelevant and in the news. But I don't think either of us. I don't hate Xbox. I don't think these choices are the best, but those are the choices as like a holistic thing. I don't really care if I really want to play it. Then you can just have both. But I think the subscription service independent of xbox so even thinking about netflix thinking about other streaming services i don't think that's a good model that's not me hating xbox that's just me thinking this fiscal like model doesn't really make a lot of sense 
So I think it's good to separate like a personal attacking and also just like there's context for different things that are also negative for the industry. I think for TV, it works because I feel like TV has always been a subscription thing, even with cable. Like, I feel like that's inherent to the like the product itself. I have a counterpoint. Okay. How many subscriptions do you pay for that are TV related? Um, Disney Plus, Apple TV. The reason I think that's it, and and then I have access to like Hulu through friends and that's the Netflix through my family, HBO or Max now. My bad, Max through family. The reason why I bring that up is because if there were a situation where they all got cut off and you had to re up, you would maybe re up to the ones that you have now, but you might drop some of those. I think a lot of the TV subscriptions is just because we've all shared them for a really long time, but it's not mm-hmm. like for PlayStation or Xbox or any of those other things, I'm going to open my wallet and be like, no, 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 I want this for a lot of the TV yeah. ones. It's like, oh, well, I have it. So, yeah, you're not going to cancel it, but like you also can't <laughs> cancel it because it's probably someone else's subscription. Not you. I mean, the royal you like everyone. Yeah, 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 everyone knows that's how TV is done is like everyone just shares these passwords. But I think that. That's also because they're not as valuable. Like I don't have like since Netflix did that thing, we haven't re-upped, but I don't feel like I need to at all. Mm-hmm. The only one that I think we pay for is Hulu we pay for, but we actually do like some Hulu like specific content and then Amazon Prime, but like everyone has Amazon Prime. You just I forgot about Amazon Prime. Yeah, I have that one too. But you don't even <laughs> not you, but I'm saying like the a lot of the value there is just being a Prime member. So it's like that's an Mm -hmm. added bonus, but you're not there just for that. I think there are exceptions naturally. Obviously, HBO exception. I think Apple every now and then maybe a little bit of an exception. But holistically, I just need to delete it. They're stealing money from me. But I don't use it at all. Then that's the thing. (laughs) That's where I'm saying like I think with TV, I don't actually think it works because they might work for like for Netflix. It might be when Stranger Things is on. But once you watch that, you could probably cancel it. Yeah. So I, I think I think that subscription model for I think a subscription model makes more sense if you have one player. But if you have multiple players, then a subscription service becomes less and less valuable. Because then you just have yeah. more that are not getting funded. I think with TV and stuff like that, it just is like the quality of your content, which is obviously the same thing that would work with games. But I think games are just a different type of medium that you can play one game for three months. You don't need to have access to 100 games. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like a Starfield, like a Starfield, like... I don't if you like if you're not subscribed to Xbox, I would just say just buy Starfield. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you subscribe to it to have access to it? Then you're going to feel like you're obligated to be there and it may take six months and you may end up spending 80 to 90 dollars on a game that you could have just bought 70 up for straight up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, That's and I think that's just preying on the consumer. I don't think that's necessarily the consumer's fault, although that could be a separate argument of like common sense kind of thing but Mm -hmm. i mean you know that is part of the people that are selling you these things you would hope or think are very smart and know how consumers act and respond to pricing and marketing and all that kind of stuff it's something that we've spoken about before when we were really really heavy into warzone how they would intentionally put you into games that are kind of unwinnable or a little bit frustrating because when you're frustrated you're more likely to go to the store and spend money And it has been tested and kind of proven. I say kind of because not on an official capacity, but it has definitely been tested by streamers and stuff that like if you go to a store and spend microtransactions, your matchmaking will be easier and you'll enjoy the game more. So like they know what they're doing. And 
Exactly to your point. I think if you have if you have a majority of players playing a handful of games a year, they're probably still going to maybe make more on a subscription service because that's going to add up over time depending on what it yeah. is. So I think maybe that's I mean, that could maybe be their plan with Activision, but I just don't see long run it making a whole lot of sense like maybe they think okay, well, if you're if you buy Call of Duty one time, $80 if you or it's 70 really but like i guess you could say 70 or 80 and then mm-hmm. the difference would be okay but what if you have it for a year on game pass if you're spending 17 a month on game pass you're going to end up spending two to three times as much on that one game which i think might be their plan but that doesn't work when you have all of the other publishers and studios also involved that are not getting that money that's true And I think also with Game Pass, they're trying to inflate your library because remember when Phil Spencer was on uh, the kind of funny thing and he was talking about the, you know, the failures of Redfall and he was like, they lost the most important generation with PS4 and Xbox One because so many people have PS4s and have Mm -hmm. a library of games. So why, like, even if you have that subscription, it's like, well, I already have these games. Mm -hmm. I don't need to. So I I don't. I it's interesting to see what's going to happen with Microsoft. I don't know. I think they're not. They're like too big to fail. Our Xbox is too big. Or Microsoft. Microsoft is too big to fail. Obviously, I don't know if Xbox is. I don't know when's Microsoft gonna just cut them loose and just be like, "Hey, like this is no longer gonna work." Or Xbox just becomes like a publisher. Because, but I, I don't want another console to be gone. Because I don't want it to just be fucking Sony and Nintendo going at it. That's the thing too. So I want Microsoft to do well, but I want them to do well. Like with the way they're trying to do it now, it feels destructive to the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. not as a and not like them trying to elevate themselves yeah i agree plus i think that sony and if if there was a situation where you're left with sony and nintendo i feel like they i mean compete but they're kind of separate i feel like they have their own sections so they're not necessarily competing and i also think that you if you want playstation to be better you want xbox to be better too because that competition is what's going to drive them to to be the best that they can be so i mean competition is good healthy competition right not just like hey we're gonna spend all the dollars we can and produce crap because then it doesn't matter because people won't buy it and they won't make money and then playstation can do whatever they want and get all the revenue which good for playstation but that's also not good for us because then we get less quality stuff you see the dominance of PlayStation right now and the hubris they have and look what games, what exclusive games have came to PS5. It's Ratchet and Clank, Returnal and Demon's Souls. And God of War. And Horizon. God of War is PS4. Okay, so Horizon's just... A, I'm talking about strictly a PS5 exclusive games. Like, they have no pressure to release that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. No, they don't. Because they're just so dominant over Xbox where it's like, it's like, they, and they get to have that fucking shitty-ass showcase and obviously everybody gave him shit for it online, but like it's like they feel like they can do that because they know that like Xbox, you know, even though they had a fantastic showcase recently, everybody still is like, all right, the, that, that was a great showcase. Everybody admitted that. But it's like, is the quality going to match that with the, when those games come out? Is Fable going to be great? Is that Bioshock Infinite looking shooter going to be great? You know? Yeah. Still a lot of question marks. PlayStation has that energy of like, if you go to complain to them, they're like, what are you fucking going to do? Exactly. What are you gonna do? Walk away? Like they know that we're They're not like gonna the do fucking anything. mob at this point. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. But but that's that's all for that right now. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see when what is the result of that and follow up on it. And of course, if there's any any more things that are worth talking about, we will. But I think it's good to do it in little spurts rather than cover all these little things 
over time yeah it's better i said little spurts but it's better in the in the when there's a bigger kind of push of information but mm-hmm. dead cells is getting a ps5 upgrade i wanted to give that a shout out because i think that game is really good and it might get me to hop back into it that's going to be haptic features faster loading that kind of stuff versus Ooh. the ps4 version that exists now i haven't played the dlc but that is the one that did have the castlevania expansion which people really enjoyed immortals of avium which is going to be the ea magic based like first person shooter did get delayed by one month so it was going to come out next month but now it's going to be coming out in august and they basically said the reason for this is just for additional polish they're saying that and i i enjoyed seeing this hopefully it's true but i enjoyed seeing them recognize they actually verbally said we only have one first impression so we want to make sure the first impression is the best that it can be which is is so important so That is something I wanted to give a shout out to because when I was looking at what was releasing this month and now it's July, I was surprised. I was like, oh, it's not here. I felt like it was kind of a quiet delay. I mean, a month isn't a very long time, but I did think that would have been one of the bigger titles of the month. Yeah, now I feel like pushing it into August is kind of you might you might have fucked it over because now it's getting towards like, oh, well, September Starfield comes out and, you know, then october comes around then october i feel like there's like four or five games i want to play i actually because of this delay i took it as a positive in two ways one i would say of course more polish is good but the other thing i would say is, is when they're pushing it back to august and there's way more competition they have to know that and that makes me feel like they're more confident in it that's true too yeah that is definitely showing a level of confidence because when you have when i think about when I think about lack of confidence, I think about Callisto Protocol coming out so that That's it could exactly come out before Dead Space and then cut off a portion of the game and give it to you as an expansion later because they just need to get out before Dead Space. So them mm-hmm. pushing it into an area of more competition strikes me more as like a, hey, it is different. There's not something else that would be directly competing with it. So it could stand on its own, especially if it reviews well. So hopefully, I mean, I hope it's good. I hope every game is good, but like since it's new and kind of is would be its own, like there's not really something going against it. I think it could hold its own. Yeah, if it reviews well, I definitely would be down to purchase it because it looks, it does look very busy visually. But I that for me, I'm just imagining how it would feel in the haptic feedback with all the magic powers, and mm-hmm. I feel like that could that could play really well, feel really good. That's the thing. I think that one will come a lot down to how it feels, and then. Annapurna did do a kind of showcase and I haven't watched it so I do need to but I wanted to shout out kind of the one bigger thing I saw come out of it is I think this is going to be their first in-house developed game is a Blade Runner 2033 I think it's called Blade Runner 2033 Liberation and it takes Mm -hmm. place in between the original movie and Blade Runner 2049 so I love both movies. I really enjoyed Blade Runner 2049 when I watched the trailer for this 2033. I can't tell exactly if it was cinematic or not. If it wasn't cinematic, I think it looks really fantastic. Okay, so it's Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth. It is coming to console and it is coming to PC. And the perspective, it looked like it was a third person game, which would be fucking awesome in that world. But I think that that fit like that game like that obviously would work well as a game in that aesthetic works well with the you know cyberpunk so it, why not have the original kind of if they're also able to do the old style sci-fi the same way that maybe like 
Alien Isolation did it. If someone, if any of you mm. out there have played Alien Isolation, you'll remember that. Of course, it's you know in the future sci-fi, but they do a really good job of like the old computers and the sound effects and everything. And it looks like they're trying to do the same thing with Blade Runner. And I feel like that would be really satisfying in such high quality. So, wanted to give that yeah, a shot. I out. saw this too. This looks interesting. I'm I'm excited to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. And then also another thing about Callisto Protocol, and then we we were just talking about that, but uh, they did release the final transmission. It is separate for fifteen bucks. Okay, gotcha. I don't know if you saw that, but the, yeah, you don't have to get the season pass. Did for you it. see the trailer? It picks up literally from the same shot where the game ends. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to play it, but fuck them. Yeah, I mean, I probably <laughs> will play it at some point. I don't know when I'm going to do that, but it really is. It really sucks that I was on like that was one of those things that you don't want to be right about but yeah definitely stinks just i just knew it like when that game and i i won't spoil it because it isn't that old but just the way it ended didn't feel like an ending and i remember us Mm -hmm. talking about what the ending meant and we had different Mm -hmm. perspectives on what it meant just because i think we were like confused as like is that actually a closing doesn't really make any fucking sense so it it felt like a game that like it ended and then it would have it did it would have done like a shadow fall where it's like rolls credits and then you pick up yes, as like Jacob. exactly but like not shitty yeah i agree <laughs> i think that that is kind of the that's what i thought too and then now we just get more of it for 15 dollars. so essentially callisto is like an 85 dollar or yeah it's an 85 dollar game 85 yeah shout Which out is crazy i mean it was an expensive <laughs> game though right? it was like 160 million i think yeah, but that's because they truncated the development. Like they sped everything mm-hmm. up and had a lot of outside help, and also like Sony helped with them and making it. So I feel like they inflated the cost by trying to get it out before Dead Space, like you were saying earlier. I'm interested in the expansion. I don't know, like mm-hmm. I said, if or when I would get that, but I have minor interest in it, seeing some of the new weapons and creature types and stuff like that but it's just the thing that's really frustrating about that is that especially in this case it's like that really all was probably just supposed to be in the main game 1000 percent. so that shit really sucks but that is the future we're in now (laughs) that is the future ladies and gentlemen but um that's all we have for this week right do you have anything else you want to say mark no i think that was pretty much it i think we covered we covered it i'm gonna enjoy my we're going to enjoy our week off. It is the 4th of July week and feeling great. I was at a social gathering last night and everyone was talking about working. I was like, fucking suckers. (laughs) I don't have to work this week. (laughs) So I'm going to play so many games and that's going to be really excellent. So really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting balls deep into Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I have the week off too. I'm basically going to be transitioning. The last of my stuff I have to move is basically all of this setup here, my desk and my TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with all my fucking books, but you know, we'll figure it out. I mean, you don't even read them, so. I've already read them. Those are all the books I read in college. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you like, do you want those as a collection? Like all the games I have, I'm not might not necessarily be playing them, but I want them as a collection. I do want, I don't, there's something about throwing away books that feels bad. Yeah. Like, I don't just like gotta throwing burn away them. books. You don't throw them away. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to be like, I feel like burning books and throwing away books. It just, it just feels gross. Yeah. I don't know. So you want to be a hoarder? I'm not a fucking whoa, hoarder. Whoa, right? whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are we cursing? Because <laughs> I'm just not a fucking hoarder. I don't 
have i mean i thought i didn't have a lot but honestly yesterday moving all this shit i was like god damn i do have a lot of shit and i'm not even bringing furniture i'm just bringing like the only furniture is this desk it'll just continue to grow you'll just move from bigger place to bigger place you know assuming you don't like become homeless and then you'll just be gathering more and more stuff love to love it for the future yeah but (laughs) no that's all i have really excited for this week off hope everyone has like a safe and fun july 4th don't do no stupid shit don't have your fingers blown off or anything like that. Yeah, don't put the firecrackers up the bum. Yeah, don't do. Yeah, don't do any stupid shit. But also, while we're here at the end, if you made it to the end, first of all, obviously appreciate you listening all the way through. If you could leave reviews and stuff like that wherever you're listening, those are extremely helpful. And then, if you want extra stuff, of course, you can always go over to our Twitch and see us stream, or go over to our YouTube for extra clips and stuff like that when they come out at a healthy pace or social media. So if you want more, there's more to be had. And then you can see us here and, every two weeks. And the streams are now archived on Twitch because I flipped the breaker on that. Yeah, you flipped the breaker on that. So we just, we're just we going to flip more breakers so that they can be downloaded and are probably posted to YouTube, depending. I don't mm-hmm. know if the last one wants to get posted because, you know. that's an, I, I honestly felt the same way because I wanted to post. I wanted to post something on like our goal is to post something every Monday. But I was like, I don't know that last stream was, you know, that type of quality. That's a not, tough one. I don't want that to be a debut on YouTube. You know, well, I didn't. You know, for you, you know, so I am. Um, All right, a 2K relax. Stream. It's a two K stream. Maybe we got to do more cooperative games from the stream. Yeah, I mean, we just got to see for sure. I think I have. Um, I want to see if I still have it archived. But I did have. Oh, I did have. I didn't even fucking talk about this. I forgot about it. Mortal Kombat One. Oh shit! Damn, I forgot. I mean, I'll be really quick about it, but. I forgot because now we're on a two-week cadence, so I didn't think about it because I didn't play it this week. But I had mm-hmm. early access to Mortal Kombat 1 to the online stress test, and I was really excited to get it because I didn't... It was like one of the first times I had done something like that. And I do have... Actually, I streamed an hour of it, so I'll probably download that. Maybe I can post that, and you can see some early footage of what that game's looked like uh, playing it online. I thought it was really good, really fucking fun. And... I don't know how I was selected, but I feel like it was because of how much time and money I've spent on the franchise over time. You would hope that that's how they selected because it. it's saying randomly selected, but it's through the Warner Brothers account. I'm like, they know how much I have, like all the <laughs> expansions and shit like that for all of them. So, um, but yeah, I guess I did want to mention that did play Mortal Kombat one. I think it's really good. You will more than likely see that on our channel, too. So that will get posted. Yeah, we got early access footage, baby. Come on. Yeah, so. Don't fuck with us. And that should be, I mean, me playing as a variety of characters online. Of course, I'll edit out all the matches I lose, but, you know, it'll be there. <laughs> and you'll be like, damn, he's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Be like, damn, this guy went 10-0. and 0. Yeah, I only lost a couple, though, to be honest. I was fucking people up. What The thing that's always fun is when you hear people on their microphone complaining. And I'd play against people, they'd be like, oh, man this guy's been playing this all weekend. I just played this right now. And I'm like, no, I've just been playing this shit for like 15 years. It's like not just yeah, this Also, one. it's like if you're getting early access to this bitch, you've probably been playing Mortal Kombat forever. What the fuck are you talking about this weekend? It's not like if you were bad in MK11, you're going to be bad at this like, game. It, well, you no, no, no. You're saying like good because if you're. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're. Yeah, my bad. If you were good at MK11, it's not like you're going to be bad at MK11. Exactly. Yeah, it's like Sub-Zero is still going to freeze people. like it's just not gonna hasn't changed in like fucking 30 years oh shit scorpion has fire that's crazy yeah no so that was good they gave you sub-zero kenshi katana and Liu kang so i will be posting that as well but yeah obviously thank you for listening to the whole show yes thank you guys and we'll see you back here in two weeks see ya